that song is called "Here Come the Christmas Zombies." Mark. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's very. I've never heard that song. <laughs> Sounds like a novelty song from uh, the '60s. Oh yes. Actually, it's. I think it's from the. The last few years. It sounds like a. It sounds a bit B fifty two ish, actually. <laughs> for those who know whole, what that is, that's the whole point. Yes, that's the point. It's very B fifty two ish. It's our holiday show. Wait, come on, this, get into the spirit. This is our holiday show. It's a little echoey here. We are not in a uh, an acoustically sealed chamber, but that's okay. It's in the uh, better than outside, right? Uh, yes, that is true. Anything is better than outside. You know, we got a great show. Got tons of box sets. We got uh, giveaways. Got some killer giveaways. And um, we've got uh, books, and we've got uh, holiday stuff. We've got some cool little recordings uh, to cook in. We did an interview with our friend Tim Grierson. We've got uh, Alonzo uh, Duralde doing his usual uh, Christmas recommendations, Alonzo being the expert, of course, in all things Christmas movies. Um, you know, it's a funny thing. Alonzo keeps getting quoted in, in pieces, but they keep getting his name wrong. They keep causing, calling him, like, Alfonso Durante, um, Next thing they're going to be calling him Alphonse D'Amato. You know? I did not know that. Yeah. Although I do know that on Stupid for Movies, which is coming back, we yes. do have our top five Christmas movies of yes, all time. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And that's, that, that's with December 9th. December 9th. You'll start uh, seeing that on Aura.tv. Come on. Stupid oh, for Movies is back. Yeah. Yes, Wade. That was his, weird. That his, was weird being back in the studio Wade and looking around. It was like. Peppermint shirt. Something Rip Van Winkley about it. It, it was a little bizarre. Yeah. It's like we, we, we walked out of that studio in 2011, walked back yeah. in in 2013. It was like nothing happened. Well, you know what? Uh, we have got so much to deal with. Um, the Should we give- do box sets first, giveaways you know, first, or all this other crap let's, first? Let's plow through some of the, uh, some of the animated and kitty stuff because uh, that's what people really want to know. What am I going to get the kids to shut them up for the rest of the year? And uh, let them, let's just rock with that a little bit. Well, Wade, you know, uh, the Three Stooges, by the way, I want to say something about the Three Stooges, Larry, Curly, and Moe. Not a fan. I'm saying it right here. Not a fan. <laughs> didn't get it. Didn't understand it. They poke each other in the eye. What, it's what, hilarious. What if they're animated? If they're animated, then it's even less entertaining because <laughs> it's more entertaining to see them in real life poking themselves in the eye. All right. At least there's some like, physical humor involved and some, a, a little bit of like light uh, stunt work. Yeah. So the Three Stooges, um, they were a cartoon. And uh, this is the 45th anniversary collection of the Three Stooges cartoon. 18 hours of... Uh, Three Stooges craziness. There's like 156 cartoons here. And there's a bonus CD. Jeez. Now, in this one, I have to tell you, the, um, the animation is pretty crude. The humor is exactly what you'd expect. Um, I was not, I'm not a fan of this. I was not a fan of the Three Stooges. I'm certainly not a fan of this. So if you're a Three Stooges completist, you, you, you are going to want this. However, otherwise, I would just as soon pass. But uh, it does include a bonus CD that has 11 Christmas songs. Can't beat that. Otherwise, uh, Three Stooges... Putting it out there, don't get it. All right, you know, Disney has released uh, recently a couple of their classic films. And, you know, the Muppets weren't always a Disney property. The Muppets used to be a Muppet property, it was, and Columbia distributed them. And then, uh, you know, as they do with everything else, Disney just consumes everything. They, you know, Muppets, Star Wars, uh, Marvel. They just, they just eat up all these other giant franchise properties. And the Muppets are now under the Disney banner. So the Muppet movie, the original Muppet movie, is out on Blu-ray in its nearly 35th anniversary edition. In other words, next year would be the 35th anniversary. And uh, that's on Blu-ray, and it is gorgeous. This is one of my all-time favorite uh, kids' films. 
I wouldn't even call it a kids film, but it's G-rated. It's cool. It's just great. You know, the Rainbow Connection and the whole thing. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. And uh, I think it's great that they've resurrected the Muppets. We got another Muppet movie on the way, by the way. Since I, the, I was a little worried that I saw the trailer. It looks might be, good, it right? It might be okay. It looks okay. That yes. whole, uh, you know, the, the Kermit Frog look-alike ringer thing. Yes, evil it's twin. Evil twin. Very funny. So anyway, a lot of great stuff on this one. Uh, the the uh, a, a Disney intermission feature, which is quite fun. Uh, a sing-along, uh, an extended camera test. Uh, and a whole bunch of other little little tidbits you'll really enjoy. And then, of course, the other is The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, the original on Blu-ray and DVD combo pack, uh, which is wonderful. I grew up with these. They age beautifully. They're wonderful. Uh, Tigger is as funny as always, and it's just great. It, it so absolutely honors the... Uh, the original A.A. Uh, a. Milne classics in text, they just, it's, it's still, it just doesn't get old. And this also has that cool Disney uh, intermission feature, which is neat. You know what else doesn't get old uh, is the fact that we have a giveaway, which we're not we getting to yet. Are we getting no, to that yet? Not yet. No. We're not. We have three giveaways, in fact. What? Yes, we do. What the? I, um, I, I really did not watch these because I don't really care, but I'm just telling you that um, there are three DVDs of family classics animated. They all look completely terrible. And only after you've pretty much watched, uh, you know, the, the Beauty and the Beast and Lion King for the 75,000th time <laughs> would you even consider putting these in. But I'm letting you know they're out there. Um, Snow White and Princess Castle in one uh, DVD set. Uh, Noah's Ark and uh, A Tale of Egypt on another uh, DVD set. This is all under the Enchanted Tales banner. And finally, uh, Night Before Christmas and The Christmas Elves on another Enchanted Tales, under the Enchanted Tales banner. Uh, I do not recommend these. I did not watch these because uh, they look stupid. All right. Well, there it is. And then uh, from Nickelodeon, uh, some great gift sets, actually, for if your kids are into any of these. These are, the, uh, these are multi-pack uh, gift sets from Nickelodeon. Uh, one is the from the Winks Club, uh, which is, you know, they're like, uh, it's like Barbies, except as fairies. And uh, this includes, uh, this is, you know, Winks, The Secret of the Lost Kingdom. And uh, this includes uh, not only the uh, Winks, Secret of the Lost Kingdom, but it includes, uh, you know, a crayon book with four crayons, or a coloring book with four crayons, a poster, a sticker sheet, uh, you know, everything that you need to keep the kids just completely, totally occupied. Uh, as for the, you know, the animation itself, like, whatever. Uh, next one is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which includes Rise of the Turtles, along with coloring book and crayons, poster, and a sticker sheet. And uh, rounding it out is a spon- It's a SpongeBob Christmas, again, coloring book with crayons, a poster, and a sticker sheet. And lastly, uh, Dora's Christmas Carol, uh, or other, the complete title, Dora's Christmas Carol Adventure, which kind of kills the whole Christmas Carol thing. I don't know why they would throw adventure on there, just to convince kids that everything Dora does is actually an adventure. Is everything Dora does an adventure? Uh, not when she goes to the bathroom. Okay. Not an adventure. Or when she eats. Anyway. Once again, coloring book and crayons, poster, and a sticker sheet. So, uh, you know, that means basically that with the, with the crayons and the, the stickers, your house is going to be a disaster the day after Christmas. There'll be stickers on everything, crayons, marking on everything. Just be prepared for that. But otherwise, really nice sets for kids. Speaking of uh, nice sets, the first set we'll talk about is the complete set of Robotech. This is 20 discs. Now, uh, Robotech uh, premiered in 1985. I thought it was pretty cool at the time, even though I was not, uh, I was not hip enough to be like an anime fan. 
uh, but I didn't think it was kind of cool. I, I I would like to see this as a movie. It kind of would remind me of like Pacific Rim. Yeah. But the animation was cool, and it was about an alien invasion, and you know this 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 spacecraft crash lands on Earth, and all the secrets of the aliens are unlocked in there, and it helps us fight the aliens. And uh, it's cool. I eventually I kind of grew out of it just because there's like you know, 100 episodes of this thing and I kind of lost interest after a while. But uh, it was pretty cool at the time when it first premiered. It was pretty great. Um, 85 episodes of the series, uh, the three Robotech movies and a bunch of special features. Looks great. Uh, Robotech, the complete set. If you like this stuff, if you're into anime, uh, I would definitely get this. This is sort of one of the first anime projects to really make any sort of a dense stateside, I have to say, like within like the regular, like non super nerd fanboy orbit. Um, so there's definitely something there in Robotech, the complete set. This is a nice looking set. It's definitely uh, from any networks, definitely something that you want to pick up if you're a uh, anime fan. Groovy. Uh, and then a bunch of other anime that's worth mentioning uh, from both Funimation and uh, Sente Filmworks and Viz. And, uh, you know, all the usual anime houses. There are a bunch of uh, really interesting anime sets that are worth checking out. Uh, one is uh, Strong World, which is a, a feature film from the, uh, the One Piece uh, world, you know, the One Piece series. They did a standalone feature film called Strong World. That's a Blu-ray DVD combo pack. Uh, we've also got Zetman, the complete series. Uh, that's Z-E-T-M-A-N. Uh, Zetman is is pretty intense, uh, so not for like young kids. I would say I would say for like teenagers, maybe that gets a little more appropriate. It, this is on Blu-ray from um, from Viz. It's uh, it you know it's very it's very kind of dark and and Batmany and uh, kind of you know like neo future punkish and all that kind of junk. Uh, Naruto Shippuden, of which there are probably more hours of anything than uh, any other anime ever, from, also from Viz. This is uh, Naruto Shippuden, the movie The Lost Tower. There are a number of these Naruto movies. Lots of series, lots of movies. Uh, that's a standalone DVD. Then uh, Elfenlied, the complete collection. Totally groovy, totally cool animation. Really, really slick. If you don't sort of know the, the, the environment, if you don't know the world, you're going to be totally caught off guard. If you do, uh, it, you'll, you'll be absolutely blown away. Uh, Tiger and Bunny, the movie, The Beginning. Tiger and Bunny, not my speed, uh, but really, really well animated. It's, uh, you know, that's also kind of uh, a future futuristic uh, dystopian thing. Queen's Blade Rebellion. This is the complete collection, also including two soundtrack uh, CDs. Uh, if you, you know, if you look, come on, Mark, give it up for big busted pirate women. Huh? Right? God. Right? Isn't that what they do really, really well in, in anime? They, they just, they make these super sexed out animated uh, ladies. Right? That's uh, look, I've, I've been to Japan. I've gone in those <laughs> shops. Those people are twisted. I know the they Japanese are. Japanese are twisted people. Uh, Night Raid 1931, the complete collection from uh, Anaplex and Sente Filmworks, 16 episodes on two discs. Uh, that's also kind of violent. And then finally, Good Luck Girl! Exclamation point. Gotta love that, right? The hair and the, the, the mouth and the whole thing. This is from Funimation, complete series of Good Luck Girl. And uh, this, is for, this is fine for really, really young children. This kind of skews to the, I would say, to the. Uh, the, the Pokemon crowd, if you're, if you're, you know, girls and they like the really goofy anime stuff, they'll probably dig that. So that stuff, there you go. That's it for the kids stuff. Now, wait a second. Should we do something else or should we do the first of the three giveaways? You have to space them out. We also you know, have two interviews. You have two interviews, three giveaways, and all sorts of uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. Let's talk for a second about books. What? Because I went through a whole lot of books. 
And there are some. You can re- read. I can read. Believe it or not, it's I'm, it's a, it's an extraordinary thing. But I can actually. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some books. Mark, there's one sitting right in front of you. you yes, see, you've seen the movie. I have not seen the movie yet. Can you discuss the the uh, the adequacy of the published screenplay? Well, you, you know, uh, we have in front of us the published screenplay for Inside Lewin Davis, which is the uh, Coen Brothers' uh, terrific new film. And, you know, there's something about these published screenplays that always bother me, which is it, it's, less, it's less the screenplay that came out of their typewriters m- m- as much as it is like some guy watched the film, dictate, wrote down all the dialogue, and put in some, like, stage direction. Like, I'm not convinced that, that all these, like, published screenplays that you buy at the store right. are the actual screenplays that exited the word processor of the writer. Yeah, I think that there's like some transcription going on, and I think there's some uh, you know uh, professionally polished uh, stage direction, and it becomes like oh, it's uh, the screenplay by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Uh, anyway, I can't quite prove that, but it's a theory I'm working on. But uh, the film <laughs> is terrific, and uh, Wade has not seen it. But I would, uh, I was actually we were just talking before the show, but uh, how I would put this in the bottom of the top ten, maybe bubbling under the top ten. How, how is Lewin it? Davis? How is it as a Coen Brothers movie? Uh, as a Coen Brothers movie, it's terrific. It definitely hits on some themes that they uh, tend to return to. One is the theme of um, assimilation. What's yeah. interesting about the Coen Brothers, and I'm, I'm sort of working on this theory for my review yeah. for Alt Film Guide, is that if you look at Serious Man, about a Jew assimilating to American culture, right. if you look at uh, Barton Fink, it's about this Jewish screenwriter trying to assimilate into like the super-duper Hollywood culture. Right. You know? Um, here you get Lewin Davis, who's trying to who's trying to assimilate into the new political and musical uh, environment of the Kennedy era versus the Eisenhower era. Right. You know, and I think there's some stuff about assimilation that you kind of get in, in a lot of the Coen Brothers' work. Um, it's definitely uh, extremely uh, polished looking, as all their stuff is. Uh, Roger Deakins did not shoot it, but they have somebody else who look, it looks just as good. Very desaturated, uh, beautiful looking. Uh, so I liked it a lot. It's not a uh, No Country for Old Men type situation. It's definitely a movie that doesn't move as much as it drifts. But they obviously know that, and that's the point. And uh, because the character drifts. Lewin Davis is this folk singer who just kind of can't put it together. He's one couch-hopping couch away from being homeless and one gig away from being totally out of the music business. So I think that the Coen brothers did something really great here. It's obviously it's a minor key film. Not one of the greats, but I don't think it's supposed to be. So I would uh, not only suggest seeing Inside Lewin Davis, uh, but I would also, you know, if you, if you feel like it, suggest reading the screenplay because, uh, you know, we have to give these trans, uh, transcribers some, uh, some love. Yeah, So all that's right. our first book. What else we got? Well, we've got Alexander Payne, His Journey in Film, A Reporter's Perspective, 1998 to 2012. And this is by Leo Adam Biga, who, as you can tell, this is not, I wouldn't call this like an authorized biography per se. This is uh, more or less a, a work of journalism. And uh, he's obviously, you know, Biga is a, not a freelance journalist and uh, he's not exactly a film journalist. He's just, a, he's, you know, he's, done a, he's written about a lot of different stuff and contributed to a lot of different publications. And so he's, uh, he's giving, he's sort of compiled a lot of material into what is, I think, probably the most authoritative look at Alexander Payne's uh, life and career, uh, you know, up to this point, 1998 to 2012, essentially is his career period. And uh, there's a little bit of background from that in other interviews and whatnot. But it's good. It's good. I mean, you know, again, I have a different perspective because I was actually in school with the guy. So I kind of, you know, I, I feel like I had a front row seat to some of the, uh, the beginnings of that. But it's a good book. Uh, you know, better books on Alexander Payne will eventually come out. 
And then from uh, Thames and Hudson, which is a terrific publishing company, they've got three that uh, I can recommend. One is Moments That Made the Movies by David Thompson. David Thompson writes great books on the movies, and he, you know he's one of the he's one of the premier uh, film writers and film critics around. And uh, this is basically just a, you know, a, a nice big coffee table book that's his love letter to the movies. It's like, this is the stuff that I think is great and the stuff that I really enjoy. And it's a, it's a lovely book, over 250 uh, black and white and color images. Uh, nice big hardcover coffee table book. It's about 40 bucks. All of these are about 40, 45 bucks. Uh, this next one is uh, Oscar... Fishinger, and Oscar Fischinger was a, uh, an avant-garde experimental filmmaker, uh, born in Germany, and uh, this is you know, a, uh, a collection of looks at his lithographs and a little bit about him and so forth. It's you know, over 200 illustrations in there. He's a, he's a very influential guy as far as a lot of animated films and uh, avant-garde films. Kind of fringy, but if it's, uh, that's your thing. And then not quite as fringy, but still sort of fringy, Derek Jarman's Sketchbooks with a foreword by Tilda Swinton. Uh, if you're a Derek Jarman fan, this is a wonderful look at uh, some of the, you know, some part of his creative process. And uh, very, very nicely put together. That includes almost 200 illustrations, uh, most of them in color. And uh, that's, you know, for Derek Jarman fans, that is a must. And then lastly on the, uh, the Thames and Hudson front before I kind of roll through these last few, is uh, Sirens and Sinners, which is excellent. That is a visual history of Weimar film from 1918 to 1933. I'm a huge fan, of course, of silent films, especially German silent films. And uh, he, the, the, the author, Hans Helmut Prinzler, completely just nails it, goes through the entire history in the most beautiful way. Now, this is a really, really big, heavy, honking book. Uh, it's 75 books, 75 bucks. Uh, and it's got uh, 443 illustrations, 335 of them in duotone, and it is gorgeous. It is beautiful. So everything about Weimar Cinema and Fritz Long and F.W. Murnau and all of that stuff, you just really, really get immersed in it. Really, really good. And then uh, fans of Raymond Chandler. You a fan of Raymond Chandler? Who isn't? Uh, a Life of Raymond Chandler from uh, Tom Williams is a terrific biography. I was, uh, I'm not done with it yet. have read uh, just chunks of it, but it really is incredibly interesting. And, uh, you know, there's so much stuff about Chandler's life that's practically more interesting than what he put into his books. So that's, that's pretty first rate. And then uh, we've got Middle Earth Envisioned, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings on screen, on stage, and beyond. <sighs> No, not a fan. Don't get it. Don't get it. I'm over it. Hobbit, the desolation of smog. You kidding me? Smaug. Let's go see the desolation of smog. I can't wait. Well, this isn't just the movies. This is everything. This is lore. This is the this is books and and, you know stage and all this all the different incarnations (coughs) of Lord of the Ring. (coughs) Nerd. Yeah, totally. Well, anyway, lots of lots of wonderful illustrations in here. Uh, That I thought was you know it's strictly for Lord of the Rings fans. It's not like if you're not a Lord of the Rings fan, you'll look at this and you'll go, oh wow, that's incredible. Uh, no, of course not. So that's, uh, that's about 40 bucks, 224 pages, 300 illustrations and photos. My favorite of the season, to be honest, is uh, 85 Years of the Oscar, the official history of the Academy Awards. This is the Robert Osborne book, which he updates uh, every year. 
Uh, I wouldn't get it every year. I'd get it sort of in key years. And I think 85 feels pretty good, right? 85, you know? Yes, yeah, nice roundish number. Nice roundish it's not, it's number. not like 100 or 50, but... Uh, or 75. Uh, at least it's a five or a it's zero. It's a five or a zero. So it's the last one you need to buy for another five years. And, uh, you know, classic photos, all the winners, all the losers, uh, all the moments. You just relive it through the book. And, uh, yeah, would I prefer like, a, like a, a movie, you know, version of it? Well, no, not really. Because as a book, I can go straight to whatever year and winter or whatever, and I can get my information instantaneously. And it's the, it's not the same as surfing on the web. If I'm sitting around going, gee, I wonder who you know what the competition was. No, it's not the same because the, the it isn't the feel. You know, there's a real encyclopedic archival feel, and it's a great book. It's just a great book. Eighty five years of the Oscar by Robert Osborne. That is really cool. Uh, another book. This is from uh, Abrams. Abrams does really really How many cool. What do we have? There's just a few more. Just a few more. And then, since we're there doing were even books, more than this. These are the ones that I've called out. These are the, the, the ones that are worth paying attention to. But then, I have to say, since we're doing books, we have yeah. to go from this to our interview with Tim Yes, Grierson. we will. Yes, we will. See how that's seamless? See, that's, that's, called, the, that's called producing. Yes, exactly. See, getting exactly. similar elements, stringing them together, that's, producing way. That's what it's all about, Mark. Thank you. Uh, Star Wars art concept. This is, uh, uh, you know... I, I kind of expected more, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's basically all concept art for um, Star Wars projects, which includes Star Wars stuff for television, for video games, for animation, for everything else. Uh, so it goes all the way from the mid-'70s to the present. Uh, didn't exactly blow me away. There are better books out there that have included uh, um, other stuff. If you're really a nut for this, you could actually go ahead and get a $400 limited edition that has these like hand-signed uh, prints and, you know, it, it just gets a little bit overkill, but anyway, it's out there. Uh, the Wes Anderson Collection is a terrific uh, gift for anybody who loves Wes Anderson. This is from Matt Zoller-Zeitz, and uh, it's just, you know, uh, it, it, it is a look, uh, an up-to-date look at all of the Wes Anderson movies and all the, you know, great photos in it and the whole thing. That's about 40 bucks, 336 pages, 400 color and black and white photographs. Uh, that is a very, very nice gift for somebody, although it's going to be outdated within a few months as soon as the uh, Budapest Hotel movie comes out. Yeah, so is Robert Osborne's uh, That's true. That's true. Fosse by Sam Wasson is uh, the definitive biography of uh, Bob Fosse, which is superb. Uh, probably the best biography that's out this season. Uh, it, it just gets in every single nuance of Fosse's life and, and his films and so forth. And I met Bob Fosse once, and I've got to tell you, I, I didn't take anything away from meeting him once, but I took a lot away from, uh, from reading that book. Uh, Pulp Fiction, the complete story of Quentin Tarantino's masterpiece. I don't think it's a masterpiece anymore, but uh, it's a pretty great book. If you love Pulp Fiction, this really, really gets in all the details. You'll, uh, you'll thumb through this thing, and you'll, it'll be like your own little book version of Marcellus Wallace's uh, briefcase. And then from the same publisher, uh, Voyager Press, is The Terminator Vault, the complete story behind the making of The Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day movies. I read uh, that whole book. Which, yeah. We, we did. We, they sent that to us. I read uh, previously. the whole book, Wade, and we beginning it. to end. It's good. It's very good. And we recommended that previously. Yes. Uh, you know, and that's, that, that's one you really got to put down. So those two from, uh, from the same company, that's the, uh, the Pulp Fiction and, the, and the, the, Term- the Terminator book is really great, isn't it? It's terrific. Lots, yeah. of great, lots of great photos, lots of great insights. They talked to Cameron. It's good. And then the last one... Uh, uh, obviously not really, you know, Christmassy per se, but Room 1219 uh, is a, an outstanding piece of journalism about one of the most notorious pieces of Hollywood history. It's a $30 book and hardcover. It is The Life of Fatty Arbuckle, The Mysterious Death of Virginia Rappi, and The Scandal That Changed Hollywood. 
And if you know anything about that whole Fatty Arbuckle event, it was it was like bigger than the OJ murder at the time. It was bigger than the uh, than the any any celebrity murder trial that we've had in my lifetime. Certainly bigger than you know uh, when Beretta shot his wife. Bigger than when uh, <laughs> Beretta shot. His well, wife. you know it, it, the, the Robert Blake trial. The uh, what are some of the other big? I celebrity don't know. Trials? You, you, do you see all the DVDs we have here? Okay, never mind. All right, the stacks on. and stacks of DVDs. Well, with that, you know what? The uh, our, our good friend Tim Grierson wrote a uh, terrific book on screenwriting. Shall we go into our interview? I think we should. Let's do it. Well, Mark and I are privileged to uh, be chatting on this uh, Thanksgiving weekend with our good friend Tim Grierson, who uh, we're all in different cities right now, I think. But uh, this is uh, we're going to talk about your book, uh, Screenwriting, from the Filmcraft series which we are recommending along with a bunch of other books as a holiday gift item. And i got to tell you, I, uh, I am a big downer on books by screenwriting gurus about screenwriting. And everyone who asks me about uh, the late Sid Field or anything, I've been telling them to pick up your book instead because I think you learn a lot more just uh, from all these amazing screenwriters who all have completely different processes. How did you even begin tackling this book? Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say thanks, because honestly, that is, I mean, nothing against those other books, but there's just so many of them. And when we were putting together this book, when I reached out to all the different screenwriters, one of the things I made very clear to all of them is that this book, um, which is part, like you said, of the film craft series, that this was not going to be your typical how-to book. I, I explained to all of them uh, who I interviewed that you would not be learning how to uh, write a script in 30 days or how to sell a marketable script. It was really just going to be about the writers talking about their backgrounds, the way they approach uh, writing, what they think about films. You know, Each chapter in the book is devoted to an individual screenwriter, and the way it works is that I would sit down with these people usually between an hour and a half to two hours and just really talk to them about each of their individual films and just about them as people, how they got into film, uh, what they thought film was or what they thought a screenwriter was when they were kids. And then from those interviews, what I did was, then, you know, for each chapter create uh sort of like a monologue of just them talking. These chapters are not, you know, in Q&A format. It's just them talking directly to the reader. And what I really like is I feel like for each person that's in the book, I really captured the sense of their voice, how they talk, um, and who they are sort of as people. And I thought that was much more interesting. And the people that we got um, for the book, I was really thrilled about because Another thing that was very important to me was I wanted, because a lot of those other screenwriting books that you were talking about, Wade, it's kind of like it's about how to write uh, a mainstream Hollywood sort of conventional three-act sort of film. And what I really wanted in this book was to get uh, a little bit of everything. I mean, we've got comedy writers, we've got drama writers, we've got people who do more original screenplays and people who do adaptations. We've got American writers. We've also got people from, you know, South Korea and Mexico and different parts of Europe. And what I really wanted, I mean, the, the big hope for me was that when people read the book, they get a sense of not just how writing is different in, in different parts of the world, but also just how different people approach just filmmaking and what they think of film. I mean, some of the writers... Um, 
like Mark Bombeck, for instance, he is uh, just a screenwriter, but then you've got other people like Whit Stillman who are writer-directors, and I thought that was interesting to get a different perspective on whether you're just writing the screenplay or if you're also going to be making the film and shooting it, how you approach the screenplay. Um, so in terms of just approaching these people, I just said, listen, um, a lot of them knew the film craft series because for people who aren't familiar, the film craft series has each book is devoted to a different uh, craft in the world of film. You've got directing, you've got editing, you've got cinematography, which I co-wrote. And so people got a sense that these books were were very serious about sort of approaching the art of how film is put together. And so when I, I approached people, they were you know thrilled to be included. It sort of felt like sort of a, uh, a feather in their cap that we consider them worthy to be included in the screenwriting book. Well, having having spoken to all these screenwriters, is there what's the one thing all these screenwriters have in common in terms of how they approach the work, how they do the work? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that for most of them, they, I mean, it's sort of funny. I'm not sure if they have one thing that's sort of in common. I mean, I think the thing that's interesting is that they <clears throat> all sort of looked at as this is, especially if you're working. Uh, anywhere in Hollywood, whether it's uh, for the studios or even if you're doing like a, like an independent film, I think a lot of the American writers looked at it as the screenplay is a blueprint, and you can't be too uh, precious about the screenplay in and of itself being kind of a work of art. It really is kind of a guide. And I think for the American writers, that was sort of a thing that they had in common, was that it's just something that starts the process, starts the conversation about uh, the film. Um, with the uh, international uh, screenwriters, I think the thing that they had in common was that um, they were so happy not to have to think about anything from a commercial perspective. It was very much about almost thinking of it not as a blueprint, but more about this like piece of art that you're creating that will then become a film. And so I think that that's sort of the interesting divide, is that American writers sort of understood that a lot of other hands were going to be on that script, and we're going to change it, and a lot of things were going to be thrown into the pot to make that movie, whereas like, uh, like the South Korean filmmaker, the writer-director Lee Chang-dong, you know, he writes his movies, and then he films them. There's not much interference uh, as far as that goes. Or even, even like uh, uh, Anders Thomas Jensen, who works um, mostly with Suzanne Beer on her films, it's really just the two of them kind of making their movies together. Um, so I think that's sort of the thing that they have in common. If you're in the American filmmaking system, you understand that script is just it's sort of like a roadmap. It's like a blueprint. If you're working uh, overseas, you are afforded a lot more respect, I feel like, as a screenwriter. It's, the written word is sort of taken more seriously. It's looked at in a, in a more elevated state, definitely, than it is here in the U.S. You know, the, the sections that I totally responded to the most, I mean, I am a huge fan of both Jean-Claude Carrière and Christopher Hampton, and I was just so elated that you got both of them in here. Uh, they And their comments do not disappoint. Carrière is like almost, a, you know, careening through film history. Everything that he's ever touched 
somehow became part of some landmark film somewhere, from Unbearable Lightness to Being to The Discreet Charm to, you know, you name it. And, and Hampton also has some amazing, you know, he quotes David Lean here, and, and those I just found so just illuminating on so many levels because they expose parts of their psyche I never would have even imagined. Um, to what degree did you find yourself oftentimes in the interviews just thinking, well, that, I never expected to hear you say that? Uh, a, a few times, more than a few times. I mean, you know, going back to the question about the, sort of the philosophy of the book, the two things they really tried to do was, number one, someone like Carrier, for instance, who's done a lot of interviews about screenwriting, I tried to read up as many interviews as I could beforehand just so that if I could include things that he hadn't mentioned in other places, um, that was something I, I sort of strove for. And so that was one thing. And then I think sort of the second thing was not necessarily, though, in the book, there is a lot of, of writers talking about specific films and either the inspirations or some of the obstacles. I really wanted to get more of an idea of a philosophy just about film in general. And I think Carrier really does that really well, where I was always happy with an interview where I felt like I got a sense more about how to live an artistic life or how to look at the life of an artist in a different way as opposed to say, you know, by page 10, you need to make sure that this happens. By page 30, this needs to happen. Right. I think when people respond to the book, um, what they're responding more to is what you were talking about, which is this idea of how do you live a life as a, as an artist, as a writer? And with Carrier, because he's been around for so long and been involved with so many great filmmakers, um, you know, I mean, you know, he worked on uh, Birth, which I think is such a underrated movie, and just hearing Terrific that movie. story, yeah, hearing that story, and then working with Bunuel. I mean, you don't get a lot of people who have sort of had such a long arc in a career that they can talk about both filmmakers. And so for me, the idea that I wanted to get across was this is how an artist lives his or her life. And so for me, like, there were so many, like, small little things like that. Like, you know, uh, Caroline Thompson, who I just had such a great time. I actually went to her uh, ranch in Ojai where she lives with all of her uh, horses and animals. And just being there with her, I realized, like, oh, clearly animals are very important to her. I want to talk to her about that. And so the environment created her talking about how uh, a beloved pet had inspired part of the writing for Edward Scissorhands. Of course, that was also an idea that Tim Burton had had, but she'd also thought about, you know, different animals that she's known over her life and how her relationship with animals created the idea in terms of how to write certain characters and how to write animals in the movies, like some of the family films that she's written. And and I would never have, have known that or really sort of thought about that if I hadn't been with her and kind of seen her life a little bit. So little things like that kind of throughout um, – were kind of these great surprises. I think also the fact that writers, I think writers in general, screenwriters in general, especially Hollywood writers, get a bit of a bad rap. Um, I think that we, if you watch a lot of bad Hollywood movies like we all do, I think that there's a, a, a sense of degrading what screenwriters for Hollywood do. And 
you know, one of the things I really wanted to get, and I was really, really happy with how it turned out, is I, I told my editors, I want to get an action writer. I want to get somebody who is a guy who's brought on to a lot of big studio movies because he just brings that certain something. Um, and I got a couple people like that in terms of getting John August, who doesn't write just action movies, but he does write on action movies, and also Mark Bombeck, who wrote... Um, uh, you know, Unstoppable is one of his movies. Right. He's worked on the, uh, uh, the, the 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 Planet of the Apes prequels. And hearing from from him specifically, I was really just to me that's a world I think we don't know much about. And hearing him talk about what he brings to a script and how incredibly seriously that he takes that work. I mean, his chapter I think is great because you know he loved movies as a kid but didn't know screenwriting very much and it was only when he was in college and he saw movies like in a lonely place and barton fink which are two of the like the worst portrayals of of writers in the <laughs> movies and him looking at those movies and thinking i want to do that because there was something about that kind of that that doomed romantic quality that those writer writing characters had that he just responded to even though he knew how like perverse that was to look at like Barton Fink and think, I want to be like him. Um, and so it's not somebody who's, I think our impression of a Hollywood screenwriter is just some hack who doesn't know anything about film and doesn't care and just wants big paychecks. A guy like Mark Bombeck loves movies, can talk very intelligently about movies. We had a whole conversation about, about Sam Fuller movies that didn't really end up in the book, but he knows like the art of, of filmmaking and writing, and he takes that incredibly seriously, and yet he works on big uh, studio movies that we might sort of turn our nose up, noses up and, and be like, well, that there's no art or craft in that. And for me, his chapter is one of the most valuable because it shows what a guy like Mark, Mark Bombeck does to bring more emotion, bring more character, bring more kind of personality into action movies and talk about how that process works. I think that, that there's a lack of respect. I think that we all sort of show action movies for obvious reasons. They're often not very good. But I think a good writer like Bombeck can sort of speak to what a good action writer can bring to a project that otherwise might not be so good. Mark, uh, when if you're obviously we're a DVD podcast and our listeners watch a lot of uh, DVDs and Blu-rays and movies and whatnot, when they're watching the next movie they're going to watch, is there something you think they should evaluating whether a screenplay is working versus versus whether it's well shot or well scored or well acted, all that kind of stuff? Is there something based on all the great information in your book that can make you know, our listeners watch a movie and go, hey, this screenplay is working for me, and I know why. What is that criteria? I think one of the things, you know, it's an interesting question, because I think that one of the things that, that a couple different writers in the book spoke about was this idea of knowing that a film, or a script rather, is working because you're not seeing the construction, but that you just have this almost intuitive sense that everything is working the way it's supposed to be. Um, and I think that, especially in, in movies that, are, that you're watching that you're liking, if you are not thinking about the script at all, 
that you're not thinking, okay, we're about half an hour into the movie, so that means this should be happening right now. I think that's how you know it's working. So it's almost it's almost sort of counterintuitive, but I would say that if if uh, uh, someone who's listening right now is watching a movie and they are liking and enjoying that film, they should take a moment to notice that they're not thinking about the script. I think that speaking as a critic, and I think you guys would probably agree, I think we know scripts more when the movie is not working because we're thinking that doesn't make sense. Why is that character doing this thing? Or why why did this character say this about this other character when I don't see anything in the movie that backs up that exposition about you're a good guy or you're a bad guy or you're a bad person? I think we notice scripts more when things are falling apart in a movie. So I think if people are, are, are listening to this and the next movie they watch, if they are just you know engrossed in the experience and they're not thinking about the script – the script is doing a lot of work correctly. If you're watching something and it's not working, it's all, a lot of times, script stuff, things that are not working. And I w- what I would add to that from you know doing this book and talking to these people, one of the things I was very proud of and very pleased that the writers I talked to were willing to talk about were their failures, the things that did not work. Uh, like For instance, like Billy Ray, who most recently wrote Captain Phillips, but is also the writer-director of uh, Shattered Glass, which I think is just an uh, incredibly underrated movie. A guy like Billy Ray talked about some of his uh, less successful movies early in his career. He was uh, the writer on Volcano. Um, and, he, you know, and he talked about what aspirations he had and what ambitions he had for Volcano and how they just didn't work out. And I bring that up now because if you're watching a movie and it's not very good, the writer didn't intend it to not be good. A lot of times these writers have great ideas. Some of the some of the stories in the book about just writers talking about their initial intentions for a screenplay and it turned out to be a terrible movie are really fascinating because you hear the ideas at the beginning and you think, oh, this actually sounds like a really great movie. And then you see what the final product is. And I think that, you know, with all of these books in this film craft series, when you hear the stories about the things that don't work out or you hear the things about the stories about how a script got made into a great movie, it's such a thin line between a movie that worked and a movie that didn't work. So I guess I would say to to anybody who's listening to this, honestly, when you're watching something, if it didn't work out and the movie's not very good, there were so many good intentions that went into that. And there were so many things that they thought the, that the writer thought he was doing correctly and the people around that writer thought were, they were doing correctly and the movie just didn't work out. I think we sometimes, when we watch bad movies, we think, well, it's obvious. Why did these guys not know this thing was this like flaming piece of junk? Yeah. Those people who made that movie spent day after day after day working their asses off, convinced that they were making something good, and it just didn't work out. And if you ask them, even they don't know sometimes why it just didn't work out. It just doesn't happen sometimes. And I think that's one of the great kind of mysteries that makes make movies so fascinating is that these intelligent, creative, brilliant people all come together with this great idea. Sometimes it's a masterpiece and sometimes it's just this like jaw-droppingly awful movie and nobody knows going into it when they're making it which one it's going to end up being. 
Well, Tim, it's a it's a it's a terrific book, and uh, I especially love all the little legacy segments that you throw in there. That kind of you know Woody Allen and Patty Chayefsky and Ingmar Bergman that sort of kind of frame it uh, historically. So you're 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 not just really limited to the people that you interviewed, but you really do give it a, a historical context by bringing in all of these other writers and their their craft as well. So it's it's really a, a beautifully rounded uh, piece of work, and you did a great job on it. Well, thanks. I I appreciate it. Yeah, the legacy chapters are fun because. Most of those people are sadly no longer with us. Woody Allen was the happy exception. Ben Hecht, Ben Hecht is in there too. Yeah. Yeah, and I, for me, I just I wanted to just kind of give a sense of screenwriting as this this art form has been around for a hundred years and really is not understood uh, nearly enough. So I'm 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 tickled that you guys liked it so much and thanks. I really appreciate it. And and thank you for uh, talking with us. And uh, we definitely uh, again encourage all of our uh, our listeners to go out and uh, and pick it up either for themselves or for somebody else who uh, really really wants to get a very well-rounded view of uh, the remarkable and yet sometimes cryptic craft of screenwriting. Thanks Tim. Thank you guys. Have a good holiday. Thanks, you too. All right. Well, you know, Tim did a great job. He did. did a great, great book. job. Yep. So, Mark, we have uh, we have the first of our three giveaways. Really? Yes, we do. We are generous this Christmas season. You know, season. not too long ago, we talked about Mama's Family, the complete, uh, complete collection. We're going to give away one complete collection of Mama's Family. <laughs> I thought she was saying, we're going we're gonna to give away one DVD of the collection. We're just going to pluck we, one out of the set. We're going to give away, we're going to give away Mama. Right. We're going to give away Mama. She's gonna, she'll show up at your house and she'll, she'll hit you with a frying pan and she'll, she'll hang out and she'll never leave. That's what we're giving away. We're giving away the complete collection of uh, Mama's Family. Send us an email to gods at digigods.com, and it should say... By the way, we always pull these out of our butt at the moment we say it. Mama. Just put M-A-M-A in the the subject line. Send it to godsdigigods.com. As long as it is uh, date stamped no later than December 6th, that is Friday, December 6th, then uh, we will randomly select a very lucky person, and you will get the complete collection of Mama's Family. Now, remember, of the three giveaways today, you can only apply for one. You can, we, we're not going to take multiple people from multiple ones. Decide which of the three that you're going to want to you know, go in on, and then hit us with an email, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll pick a winner. So that's Mama's Family, the complete first and second seasons, the complete series, in other words. And, um, yeah, we, we, will, uh, we will happily, happily give you uh, lots of fun and many, many glorious, uh, glorious years of Mama's Family. So, complete Mama's Family uh, to, uh, to the winner of the person who's the winner that sends us an email at godsatdigigods.com with Mama in the subject line. We'll pick a winner. Make sure it's a date stamp no later than the 6th. All Put your address in it, by the way. Address, please, address. All right, wait, 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 we have all these bucks. Let's do it. Okay, all right. Who cares? Don't talk about it. You know what? Here, I will. I I can talk about that in five minutes. Yeah, this is this is this is our this is how we end things, Mark. This is this is the very end. End end on a bang, Wade. Good job, Mark. Mark. I was never big, never big fan of Farscape. Um, I have to say, this thing was only on for four seasons. Uh, But if you love it, it is on Blu-ray. Thank you. Putting it on Blu-ray, the complete series, twenty discs. All four seasons. Not a fan of the show, but uh, people do love it. There's like three dozen audio commentaries on this thing. There's deleted scenes. There's uh, archival documentaries. Farscape is, in, is one of those um, shows that's kind of like that. You know, it kind of comes in that like culty, B-level, Firefly-ish. Firefly is exactly there. You that's know? exactly it. You know, Farscape was, uh, was on its last legs. Uh, it, gosh, some years ago when I went to the, uh, the Galacticon 
And in Universal City, you know, the Battlestar Galactica uh, convention. Uh, yeah, nerd. Well, some friends of mine wanted to go, and I got them in. <coughs> nerd. And, and uh, there was a table there with a bunch of people dressed up as those Muppety kind of creatures on Farscape. And they're like, save Farscape, save Farscape. It was, it was the, you know, ever since Star Trek had the big write-in campaigns to save the show uh, and to bring it back, everybody seems to think that they can do likewise with, with TV shows now. And the funny thing is, Star Wars, the write-in campaign, didn't work. Never got the show saved. Got a movie, you know, but that took 10 years. Anyway, um, Combat, the complete series. This is 40 DVDs, all five seasons of Combat in a great big honking box set that you could use to throw at your little brother or sister on, on uh, Christmas, and uh, you could knock them out. This is, uh, you know, the, the, the fun thing about Combat, apart from the fact that it's a really, really good show and it's really well put together, um, the, well, first of all, Richard Maybaum was a producer on this show. You know that. Richard Maybaum? Yes. Is that Mr. and Mrs. Maybaum's kid? Exactly. Uh, Richard Maybaum as in uh, Bond series, right? Richard Maybaum, Bond guy. Really? Was he? I don't know. Yeah. You made that up. No, I didn't. Richard really? Maybaum. I'm going to do this little search for you just to bring you up on... Right, uh, well, while you do the search, I'm talking about this. Okay, well, you know, let me, let me finish. Let me finish just well, mentioning well, this. I, I thought maybe it would take you a while to actually do the search, but I see you've already found it. No, no, he did. Richard Maybaum wrote all the, like, most of the early Bond adaptations, the, 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 the Bond film adaptations. Really? Yeah, he was a producer on this show. I did not know. Yep, anyway, uh, Vic Morrow and Rick Jason, of course, held down the fort, but they had tons of amazing guest stars, unbelievable guest stars. I mean, like, even, even Leonard Nimoy was a guest star on the show. Uh, Roddy McDowell and Rip Torn and James Coburn and uh, Lee Marvin and Robert Duvall, James Caan, Dennis Hopper, Ricardo Montalban. I mean, you name it. It's like everybody who was anybody in, in television and even in the movies from like 1950 to 1975 shows up on this series. It's Jack Klugman. Jack Klugman is not in this show. <laughs> All right, Wade, uh, if you love The Twilight Zone, and you should, because they're pretty much the ultimate short films. If you, wanted, if, if you ever want to teach a, like a film student, yes. you know, give an example of a short film, don't say, oh, go to YouTube and look at my buddy's short film. It's awesome. It's about a guy who kills people. It's all cool and rad yeah, and stuff and yeah, junk. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Show them any Twilight Zone. 22-minute short true. film gold. Anyway, Twilight Zone Complete Series is already on Blu-ray, and that's what you should buy instead of what I'm holding in my hand which is the Twilight Zone Complete series, 156 episodes on DVD. What if you don't have a Blu-ray player? Uh, th- why are you listening to this podcast? Okay. I mean, well. honestly. <laughs> this really is just a repackaging of, uh, of all the Complete Season sets into one big honking thing. But honestly, guys, get the Blu-ray. What, if, mean, you don't, what if you don't have a TV? <laughs> what if you don't have a computer? <laughs> How are you listening to this thing? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then uh, The Naked City, or just Naked City, the complete series, 29 DVDs, uh, all four seasons. Another amazing show that uh, pretty much everybody who guessed it on Combat also guessed it on this at some Jack point. Jack Klugman? No. Uh, Robert Duvall, William Shatner, Gene Hackman, Dustin Hoffman, Chris, Christopher Walken when he was like super ridiculously young, John Voight. Uh, no, Mark, I'm, I'm kidding. You, you, let, me, let me point something out to you. Jack, Jack Klugman was on the show. You're right. He's even. A, he's is even, he? Yes, he was. I don't have my glasses. I can't. Where is he? Oh, there he is. He's wearing a hat. <laughs> yeah. Jack Klugman. <laughs> yes, Jack Klugman. Um, uh, who else was on this? Robert Redford. I mean, on and on and on. It's just. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's really a terrific show, and it's kind of legendary just for all of the uh, all of the kind of buttons it pushed as far as being a. You know, it's very. It was a very uniquely structured sort of uh, omnibus show, and uh, every episode. Ever, you know, not quite Twilight Zone, not really anthological, but very close. And uh, let's see. Oh, you know what? If you're a wrestling fan, 
couple of wrestling bits here from uh, WWE. The uh, 50 Years of Sports Entertainment, uh, the history of the WWE, which is not that interesting to me, but I'm sure to people who want to see everything going back to the earliest days, how this whole crazy empire evolved, uh, you know, all the way back to Hulk Hogan and even before. It's not, not quite as interesting in the early days, but it, uh, that's, that's certainly, you know, for purists, a, a big deal. And then I know a lot of people who just love Raw. This is the 20 greatest episodes, uncut and unedited, Raw 20, the anniversary collection. 12 DVDs of peep for people who just cannot get enough of, uh, of Raw. And who can, really, right? Uh, it, you know, again, not my scene, but there it is for some. There's some just hunking, crazy meathead of the dad who will be thrilled Christmas morning when he opens this up and he'll just put it right in and he'll bring Christmas spirit into the house as you see big 300 pound sweaty men slamming each other onto the and canvas. May I, never, may I never meet that person. All right, Wade, we, uh, we kind of missed the uh, JFK anniversary, the 50th anniversary of his assassination, but still we have uh, two Blu rays and a DVD all about that. We have the Blu ray DVD combo of JFK and New World Order. This is a uh, documentary series. Uh, I'm going to blow through these because we already missed the anniversaries. What's the point? Well, you know, because they're JFK fans, right? They, 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 they can't true. get enough. It's, it's, it's Christmas season. Uh, <laughs> it's what Christmas season. <laughs> give, give the gift of an assassination. <laughs> uh, we have an American experience from PBS called JFK Like No Other. Uh, it's a documentary about uh, JFK and uh, begins with his childhood and, of course, ends with, uh, goes, anyway, goes right up through his uh, run for the Senate and, of course, uh, when he became president. Then uh, from Smithsonian, we have a, a DVD only of the day Kennedy died. This is about the day Kennedy died. There you go. It is narrated by Kevin Spacey. You know, uh, ESPN Films uh, has released a really beautiful box set of their, uh, their, t- their documentary series, 30 for 30. This is season two, uh, volume one, films one through 15, uh, assuming that you're going to continue to collect this. Or even if you've, you know, or that you've already begun to collect it. And uh, there's some great, great films in this. There are really some terrific films uh, from some very, very fine documentary directors. Uh, Broke, 9.79, Benji, You Don't Know Bo, uh, Survive in Advance, Elway to Marino, Hawaiian, uh, Free Spirits, This Is What They Want. I mean, these are all really, really good. Uh, this is great sports documentary filmmaking. It's a beautiful box set. It's, uh, you know... Definitely worth checking out. And uh, ESPN has also published a, a book that uh, they sent us, which we didn't request, and we're like, oh, that's interesting. And uh, this is the, uh, called The Way They Were, and this is from... Are you familiar, are you familiar with Grantland? Well, yes, Grantland is a, uh, is a website. It's good, too. They have yeah. good writers on there. Yep. Well, this is like all stuff from Grantland, you know, The Way They Were. Like, like, like Grantland Rice, the writer. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally unfamiliar with it, but a lot of really great uh, pieces in here on, you know, Elmore Leonard. Uh, uh, Who died it, recently? Yeah, no, it's really, really good. It's 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 good, you know. Uh, Red Auerbach. All right, well, uh, why, why are we talking about a book? So, when we have anyway. so many DVDs, and we have two okay. more giveaways and one more interview. You got it. All right, we're we're hauling. I'm hauling. You're keeping me. You're keeping me uh, focused here. Yes, yes, you are. It, it's tough focused. keeping weight focused sometimes. <laughs> it's, it, you're All right, wait. Here's focused. here's some British crap. Go British. Oh, crap. British crap. Okay, British crap, and then. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we'll get into that, and then you we'll do another it. giveaway. How's that? What the? I like it. All right. Yeah, a lot of people recently saw the uh, Day of the Doctor, the 50th anniversary special of Doctor Who that Lame. had, like, every single Doctor Who currently living uh, all jammed into, not necessarily playing Doctor Who characters, by the way, but Nerd. they're all jammed into one episode, Lame. which I saw maybe five minutes of, and then I said to myself, you know what? As much Doctor Who as I have seen in my life, I've clearly not seen enough because I suddenly have absolutely no idea what's going on. Lame. And uh, then I read, a, I, read a, I read a synopsis 
of uh, explaining how they changed the whole Doctor Who lore. I didn't understand a thing in the, in the synopsis. It made no sense to me. So you've got to be pretty hardcore Doctor Who, and you have to have pretty much been watching this for 50 straight years to really, really get a grip on this thing. Um, there are... Uh, th- now, there is a bonus feature on here, Doctor Who Explained, which didn't really explain anything to me, I've got to be honest with you. But uh, if you're a Who fan, this is nuts. This is just right through the top. Uh, the Palliser is one of the all-time uh, greatest British miniseries. It's 40th anniversary edition. I cannot believe it's been 40 years, because I actually remember when this thing was on TV. Dates really, really well. And uh, this is 26, all 26 episodes on eight discs. Uh, it comes out to about 22-some-odd hours, and it is a beautiful, beautiful box set of a classic show. Give you a sense, that along with Upstairs, Downstairs, kind of where Downton Abbey's roots are planted. Uh, the House of Elliot, also a very, very fine uh, series, uh, originally aired on the BBC. This is nine discs from Acorn and uh, a beautifully acted, beautifully uh, put-together show. Um, this is about 30-some-odd hours, 34 episodes, nine discs, and uh, some nice extras on here as well, including a, a little booklet with a new interview and uh, with the series creator, Gene Marsh. If you're a Helen Mirren fan like I am, you, of course, will go nuts for something which we talked about previously on the show, and I'm going to call attention to it again, the Blu-ray collection of Prime Suspects, seven discs, the whole collection. Helen Mirren, absolutely awesome. They tried doing uh, this as an American series, and it just tanked. Didn't didn't do any business at all because it didn't have Helen Mirren, for crying out loud. Uh, but it's, uh, it's really good. So that's on Blu-ray. And then the last British television bit here is the complete collection of Trial and Retribution, which is, uh, you know, one of the one of the better um, cop shows, one of the better detective shows on. They're called uh, dicks, there, Wade. Yeah, they're, it's one of the better dick shows on <laughs> British television, and uh, it really is first rate. So this is uh, this is volumes one through twenty two. Uh, six sets of Trial and Retribution, and y- you will not be disappointed. Put that up, on the, up there along with Prime Suspect. You get all the British cop uh, juice that you need. All right, Wade, moving along fast. Uh, we have yep. the final season on uh, Blu-ray of Breaking Bad. This uh, show came in for an amazing landing. People love this show. People were talking about it. It was a big, big deal. It was yeah. wrapping up. It did much better than Dexter. Of course, the final episode of Dexter everybody hated. But uh, the final episode of Breaking Bad uh, really kind of nailed it. So there's that, final season of that. Yep. Now, we also have on uh, Blu-ray a six-disc collection, which really doesn't need to be six discs. It's uh, Duck Dynasty, seasons one through three. This oh, includes yeah. a limited edition Duck Camel Bandana. Nice. It's all about the Robertson clan. Um, and you know what? Actually, you know what? There's a very interesting uh, video on YouTube where um, uh, the Robertson clan, especially the, uh, the, the, the patriarch, he, he, he kind of talks about how he cheated on his wife and he was into alcohol and how they really cleaned up. He really cleaned up his life, yeah. which helped clean up the family's life. Nice. And, um, Good for him. So it was a very interesting YouTube video. You guys should look it up. But uh, anyway, Duck Dynasty seasons one through three. People love the show. It's a phenomenon. Uh, I guess I get part of it. It's more of a middle American phenomenon than if a they uh, coast did, phenomenon. If they didn't have beards, if they didn't look like ZZ Top, would the show be as popular? Well, yeah, because it's them. Yeah, all right. It's I, them. Guess. I guess you're probably right. All right, Wade, uh, the Jack Ryan collection. This is a, a box up of um, the four uh, Jack Ryan films. This is uh, Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, uh, Some of All Fears, including Present Danger. You realize that uh, like three people have played Jack Ryan so, so far. We have uh, um, uh, Ben Al- Affleck, Alec Baldwin, Ben Affleck, and Harrison Ford. Yep. And of course, uh, the new uh, Jack Ryan film, A Shadow Recruit, just got moved to 2014, which of course means it's great. They only move back movies and, that and are great. That stars Chris Pine. That's true. So yeah, who's becoming Mister uh, Mister uh, Franchise? 
So in other words, Jack Ryan has been played by Han Solo, Batman, and now Captain Kirk. Han Solo, but how about Alec, wait, Alec Baldwin, though? Uh, and The Shadow. Yeah, there you go. I, I, I do like these films. I, I feel like they're kind of forgotten, like yeah. nobody remembers them. They're True. kind of like, it's, it's a weird franchise. It kind of fell off the earth. You don't really think about it, but they're, they're, the movies are fine. Yeah. Anyway, it's just, it's just a box up of the DVDs. Yep. Uh, now, finally, uh, at, least, at least for me, on the baseball front, we have, um, uh, we have a Blu-ray box set of the Boston Red Sox, <laughs> 2013 World Series. I get it. They're the greatest uh, ever. Yay, Red Sox. Everybody cares about the Red Sox. Everybody loves the Red Sox. Everything the Red Sox do is better than anything else anybody else ever does. The Red Sox are the greatest thing that ever lived because you know, they're the Red Sox. Y- 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 oh, this, this is so this, annoying. This is a Ewan Rotman thing, isn't it? It's, you know what it is? I, 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 I did this Stupid for Movies <laughs> rant, which I'll, I'll give you a preview of. Like, Red Sox fans are so annoying because like, they, they literally think that everything the Red Sox do is front page news all over the world. I, I have to be honest with you. It's, it, I always know, because I don't follow baseball, but I know when the Red Sox are doing well because we know two people who are so bananas for the Red Sox, it defies con- con- description. And they don't even know each other. That's Mike Rotman and Henry Sheehan, our, our friend Henry Sheehan, former president of LAFCA. Henry's a, you know, from Boston as well. And it's like, I, I, all I need to do is look on Facebook, and if I see Mike just blowing up and Henry just blowing up, I'm like, oh, it's a, it's a Sox if, thing. If you're bananas for the Red Sox, that's fine. But literally, somehow they think that the moment, like, I, my entire family could die in a horrible crash. Yeah. The, the biggest tragedy in the history of the world. And, and when I tell, like, my Red Sox friends and my family died in a horrible crash, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know what they'll say? Well, oh, you say. think that's bad. David Ortiz went two for seven. Because <laughs> to them, it's like the, the, everything the Red Sox do is the most unbelievable thing that ever happened in the world. It should be covered yeah. worldwide by everybody. The BB- you mean the BBC didn't lead with uh, Dustin Pedroia hitting a game-winning home run last yeah. night? How could the BBC not lead with that? It's the Red Sox. It's just, God, it's just so insufferable. Anyway, um, there's a eight-disc collection of the Boston Red Sox 2013 uh, World Series. This is a must-get if you're a Red Sox fan. And then there's just the one Blu-ray, which is the World, Champion- the world Series Championship. Uh, that's the official uh, MLB film of the series. But if you're a Red Sox fan, uh, you'll get the uh, eight-disc, the eight-banger, because it's, uh, it's pretty good if you're a Red Sox fan. And by the way, all Red Sox fans, I'm just telling you, not everything you do is the greatest thing that ever happened. Okay. So what are we doing now, Wade? We have so much stuff still to get through. You know through. what? I'm going to talk about Zatoichi. Do it. The, uh, the complete Zatoichi series is finally out on Blu-ray. Now, this is a Blu-ray and DVD dual format edition, which is what Criterion is doing now. Uh, you know, but, so the, the, the DVDs are there almost as a bonus now, right? This is the bl- complete Blu-ray set with DVDs as well of every single one of the complete 25-film Zatoichi series. Now, this is why this is a big deal. Because previously, the Zatoichi films, if you wanted them, and as, as I had to do this, they were available only by culling them together from different uh, distributors. So you had them mostly from uh, Home Vision, which at the time was allied with Criterion, and then you also had some that were with Animago, which mostly does animation, uh, anime stuff. And so, you know, it's about two-thirds from Home Vision and about a third from Animago. And that was it. And then there was one Zatoichi film that was unavailable. That was, so you, you could only get, you know, 24 of the 25 films, and then one of them you were just out of luck. And I actually contacted him. I said, what happened to that 25th one? How did you guys get that? Because that was like the Holy Grail. That was the one that everybody was just mystified about. And he said, you know what happened? Harvey Weinstein. You know where I'm going with this, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as he said Harvey Weinstein, I was like, oh, love-hate relationship. Here we go again. I'm going to 
root for his movies at Oscar time, but I'm going to be mad at him right now. What did he do? Well, Harvey uh, and Bob, they took the rights to one of the Zatoichi films, which they wanted to remake for Quentin Tarantino. Oh. So for years, the one Zatoichi film that was unavailable on DVD was unavailable because Harvey was hanging on to it, hoping that Quentin Tarantino would make a Zatoichi movie. Which he never did. Well, they, they, they did eventually make, you know, the, uh, a different Zatoichi. They did the, uh, the Zatoichi with uh, uh, Takeshi Kitano. But that's like a remake of the, the first Zatoichi, the one that they held the rights to. Anyway, box set of every Zatoichi the Blind Swordsman movie uh, is just fantastic. It includes Zatoichi meets the One-Armed Swordsman. Which played by Jimmy Wang Yu, which is a big deal because anyone who's listened to this for any time knows that Jimmy Wang Yu would take his one-armed swordsman character, which was the star of a whole different bunch of movies. I mean, that, that's almost like the Asian film equivalent of Alien vs. Predator, right? You took one character from one film series and another from another one and you coll- bring them into collision in this one movie. I mean, it's great. One-armed swordsman and Zatoichi. He took the one-armed swordsman uh, character, which was a Shaw Brothers character, and then converted that into the one-armed boxer of Master of the Flying Guillotine fame. And if you've ever seen Master of the Flying Guillotine on DVD, I do the commentary both times with, Andy, with Andy Klein. Nerd. So big fans of Jimmy Wang Yu here and bigger fans of Zatoichi. Uh, this is just awesome. I mean, the, the transfers here are spectacular. Working with Katakawa Pictures and Janus Films, uh, Criterion has done probably the most superlative box set they have ever released. It is unbelievably awesome. Tons of extras. Everything you could possibly want. If you are a fan of Zatoichi, this will blow your mind. Mark, tell me this isn't about just a gorgeous thing. It'll blow your mind. Gorgeous thing to put on the shelf. Now what else does Criterion have, Wade? Right there. Right there. Martin Scorsese's World Cinema Project. We talk about this at this moment when we are, are doing a little dance with Paramount just to get to see Martin Scorsese's new movie, which they're playing games with us about. It's like, you have to see it this day and this time or you don't get to see it at all. That it's is like, true. Come on. But yet people. I'm going to see it that day and that time. Yeah, and I'm going to try and see it tomorrow. I'm going to try and crash it. Really? Yeah, I'm going to try and crash it. I'm just going to show up at the DGA and go, really, are you really going to turn me away and piss me off so that I, I like badmouth your movie when we vote? Really? Are you going to, are you going to put, are you going to risk that? Let me in. Just let me in. It's yes, because like if you sh- don't like it, you'll tell the rest of the group that you didn't like it and then a lot of people won't see it based Gosh. on that. There you yeah, go. I'll see it anyway, but still. Anyway, Martin Scorsese's World Cinema Project is uh, the first volume of a new dual, dual format Blu-ray and DVD series where Martin Scorsese goes around and picks these, these kind of amazing uh, movies from small film industries, little out-of-the-way countries uh, that you may not even have heard of, like Majishkafistan. You've never heard of them, have you? Because you made that up. No, of course I did. Anyway, uh, the films here are um, Tukibuki, Redes. A River Called Titus, Dry Summer, Trances, and The Housemaid. Uh, now, these are, these are all movies that would otherwise not really have a shot at, at uh, being restored, much less released in a format, uh, you know, in a, like a Criterion edition, if Martin Scorsese didn't kind of throw his weight behind it. So the World Cinema Project is all about exposing you to these great foreign language films uh, that Martin Scorsese has sort of anointed. And uh, it, they're all wonderful. Every single one of these is wonderful. A River Called Titus, which is in Bengali, uh, is just absolutely fantastic. And i got to say, Tukibuki, which is in a language I never even knew existed, Wolof. You familiar with that? Uh, yes, I am. Great. I, I, so this is I, I speak this is a wonderful, wonderful set, and uh, cannot recommend it enough. Tukibuki, by the way, from the, the country of Senegal, that's where they speak Wolof. And uh, Trances is also a really good one. That's from Morocco. Dry Summer from Turkey. River called Titus from India and Bangladesh, and then the Housemaid from South Korea. All right, wait. So we uh, we gonna, we're going to have our uh, next giveaway in a second. First, we have uh, Love Actually, which is on a 10th anniversary uh, Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. This, of course, is the uh, 
terrific little uh, Christmas weepy um, from Richard Curtis, who also gave us Bridget Jones's Diary and the Great Notting Hill that I love so much. Uh, this is sort of in um, sort of uh, coincides with his latest movie about time. Uh, which uh, a lot of people actually liked um, with Rachel McAdams. But uh, this is Love Actually. It comes with a uh, stupid plastic little trinket thing that says Love Actually is all around. Aww. And you're supposed to wear it around your, around your neck or something like that. It's lame. Uh, anyway, Love Actually, 10th Anniversary Edition. Awesome. If you, if you love that movie, go for it. And um, we're going to do a giveaway now. What? We're going to do a giveaway. You know what? Anybody who's listened to this podcast for any period of time knows I am a nut for China Beach. I know there are more of you out there, so we're going to give away the complete China Beach boxed set to one very fortunate person who will get to indulge themselves in that, like I have many, many times. A complete China Beach boxed set to whoever is chosen from those who send us uh, an email to godsadigigods.com with beach in the, in the subject. Just write beach, B-E-A-C-H. And uh, make sure it's a date stamped by Friday, December 6th, and we will choose one very fortunate person to receive a complete China Beach boxed set with your a- and put your address in the email, right? Uh, yes, we have to say that. Put your address otherwise, in you email. won't, and we have to chase after you. That's right, that's right. So there you go, so we're giving away all sorts of good stuff. Mama's away... family and uh, China Beach. Yeah, and, uh, and we, got, we got one more. Got one more later. Got one more. Got, got one that's more crazy later. talk. It's nuts. What do you got there? I got a bunch of doc stuff. Uh, both, uh, Dock it up. Yep, docking it up. One uh, both from Universal and from uh, National Geographic. If you are all into the National Geographic stuff, if you got just animals and nature just coming out of every orifice in your body, if you want to get all up in that natural stuff. That naked Aboriginal people that, running that's around. That's it. That's what, if that's what you want, then here's what we're going to give you. Uh, you got your Blu-ray 3D and Blu-ray of uh, the, this is all from the uh, this is from Universal actually. Uh, Fascination Coral Reef 3D Hunters and the Hunted. Uh, it's just all you know, fish and coral reef and all that underwater kind of stuff. And then you got Ocean Predators 3D. This is a, another 3D Blu-ray. This is uh, basically a lot of sharks and other things under the water that will make you never want to set foot in the ocean again. And then Polar Bears 3D Ice Bear. Uh, this is also Blu-ray 3D. A lot of polar bears. Uh, you better watch it soon because I hear they're going away. Polar bears? Yeah. Oh, are they going back to their home planet? I think so. That's <laughs> what they say. They're leaving. And then uh, the rest of these are DVDs. This is all from National Geographic. Untamed Americas, which is a two-DVD set. Of, it's just you know just canvassing the entire North and, and Central American area primarily. Uh, it's, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous photography. Beautiful stuff. Amazing animals. Blow your mind. Uh, Winged Seduction, Birds of Paradise. This is uh, some of the most amazing birds that you have never seen in your life and you will probably never see uh, except in this particular documentary. This will blow your mind. Birds are cool. I think birds are awesome. Stupid I like birds. birds. Also from National Geographic, a two-disc set, Best of 125 Years. Uh, this is uh, basically celebrating the, uh, the television specials, the National Geographic television special series, and, which oftentimes ties in with the magazine. And uh, this, is, this is just uh, you know, kind of a greatest hits compilation, but it's, it's worth it. it. If you've ever seen those specials, it'll bring back a lot of memories. Season 2 of Brain Games uh, is, is a series on the uh, National Geographic channel. Uh, you know what? It, 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 not my thing exactly. It's uh, mostly brain research stuff, but it's, you know, some people love that show. And Animal Holiday, 
animal holiday. Look, isn't that cute? This oh, is perfect. Penguins. Perfect for the holidays. So this dumb. is uh, this is all about uh, animals that are associated with the holidays, just because they live in snowy and cold places. You know, like penguins and, and, uh, and yeah, exactly. So uh, they got penguins with little Santa hats on the cover of this thing. It's it's a holiday thing. It won't really be much of a big deal after the uh, after Christmas, but you know why not? It might be fun to watch. And then the real cool one here is the uh, six disc edition of the uh, Ultimate World War II collection from National Geographic. This is pretty much all of their major. Uh, documentaries, six in, all, six in total. Their major World War II documentaries, all put together, and uh, it's you know it doesn't doesn't transcend any of the other World War II uh, series on DVD or Blu-ray, but it's pretty great. Pretty great. Speaking of pretty great, uh, we yep. have uh, one more giveaway. We have one more uh, phone interview, right? Yes. Well, now, it's not even a phone interview. It's 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 Alonzo's thing. Alonzo's Ooh, Christmas that's recommendations. Right. Yes. He does it every year. We yep. love it. So we should we, yep. should we do Alonzo now, or should we keep doing box sets? Let's keep doing the box sets. Okay. Knock through, and then we'll do the last giveaway, and then we'll let Alonzo do his thing, and I will plow through as many of these Christmas these specific Christmas things as I possibly can. You got it. Yep. What are we doing? Uh, do that. Okay, this is, uh, now Mary Harmon, Mary Harmon is a cult show from the 70s uh, that uh, is incredibly beloved, is very, it's sort of the first meta show, right? Yeah, kind of. It sort of was. How would you explain this it show? It was before meta. You know what, it, it, was, it was really controversial because it was touching on a lot of, it, it was, you know, technically a three-camera sitcom show, but yet it touched on a lot of really edgy issues. Norman Lear kind of uh, was taking all of his, his capital from All in the Family and the Jeffersons and all these other envelope-pushing shows, and he decided to just go full bore with Mary Hartman and just talk about topics and, and relationships and issues that nobody had ever done in a TV series. That's right. So, and I mean, it wound so- up being on at like 11 o'clock at night because the networks were afraid of it and it went into syndication and the syndicators were like, well, we're afraid of it too. We're going to put it on 11 o'clock at night and let people find it if they want. Because supposedly it's like a soap opera, but really it's not a soap opera. It's a sort of a parody. It's a satire of American cultural mores at the time. Perfectly said. It's Uh, uh, Very funny. And there's never been a show like it. No. It, it's, a, it's a one and only show. It's comedy's very insidious. 325 uh, uh, episodes. This, this, now, this is a box set of the complete series, okay? Yes. This is 325 yes. episodes in a, in a very tightly packaged box set. Yep. Now, if you're into, like, cult TV from that era, yep. and you know that there's a box set of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, mm-hmm. you will literally jump up and down for joy knowing that this thing exists. So if you have a... You know, uh, maybe a 40-something, 50-something, 60-something member of your family who loves cult TV from the 70s, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, you will be the king of everything if you were to get them that. Yes. It is a beautiful, beautiful box set. It's not Blu-ray. It's TV, which kind of sucks, but there's a lot of bonus features. In fact, there's an entire uh, bonus disc. There's a couple bonus discs. And uh, this is great stuff. 325 episodes of a groundbreaking show from the 70s, like nothing you've ever seen and nothing you'll ever see again. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Totally. And, you know, uh, Mill Creek and Echo Bridge are, uh, are really good at doing compilation sets. If you're looking for some great compilation sets, multi-movie sets uh, for, you know, bargain price to just make somebody happy who really doesn't care, uh, you can get the uh, top of the class 12-film pack. From uh, Mill Creek, which includes all these kind of teen breaky, teen uh, sex comedy type movies. Nothing brilliant here, but it's a pretty good collection with a lot of people who you know would go on to become somebody. Guess what uh, we learned in school today? And the Good Student, Liar's Moon, Winter Break. Um, 
You've also got uh, Captive Comedies, an eight-movie collection from uh, Mill Creek, which includes stuff like Hudson Hawk and The Freshman and uh, A Fine Mess. And this is, this is much better. These are like real movies. Hollywood Homicide, which has Harrison Ford in it, you know, uh, Cops and Robertsons, Chevy Chase and, and Jack Palance. So that's a pretty decent set. You also get uh, four Western movies featuring Johnny Depp in Dead Man. This also includes Once Upon a Texas Train, Texas Rangers, and Yuma. This is from Echo Bridge. That's not bad. Dead Man is really the, the only really great movie in there. And I wouldn't even call it that great. And then uh, this is an amazing set. This is the British Film Collection. Six movies from Echo Bridge. And they're all good. Uh, the six movies are Brideshead Revisited with Emma Thompson, who, of course, is a big deal right now. Uh, she's probably going to get another Oscar nomination for uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Uh, Jane Eyre with uh, the uh, George C. Scott version. Uh, Becoming Jane, right, with uh, the, the, the whole you know, Jane Austen biopic deal, right? Restoration with Robert Downey Jr., uh, the Inheritance and uh, Her Majesty Mrs. Brown, which is uh, amazing. Judy Dench should have won an Academy Award for that, opposite Billy uh, Connolly. That is an amazing movie. So that's a great set. That's uh, six movies in one DVD set. That is an unbelievable bargain, especially because they're all just incredibly good. Uh, Wade, uh, one more JFK thing we have to get to, which has been out for a while, but we're going to talk about it now, which is a uh, 50-year commemorative ultimate collector's edition of uh, Oliver Stone's JFK. This is a limited edition. They only pressed 50,000 of them. This is a five-disc set. It includes the uh, director's cut, uh, a couple documentaries like JFK Remembered 50 Years Later, and there's an interesting um, collectible thing called PT-109, which is the ship that uh, Kennedy served on. Mm. And uh, it's great. Now, the film... I don't know what to say about the film. It's, uh, it's on Blu-ray. It's on DVD. I have to say, sometimes Oliver Stone surprises you because, like, in World Trade Center, when, some, when, when I heard that Oliver Stone was doing a World Trade Center film, a 9-11 film, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. This is going to be a rip-roaring, rip-job like only Oliver Stone can do. You know what it was? It wasn't that. Well, it was solid. It, it just was, wasn't. It wasn't like what you, like, why no. did Oliver Stone direct that? No, it was, a, it was a, like programmer. JFK was a little bit more what you'd expect from yeah. an Oliver Stone take on JFK. Yes. Where he's kind of working out some of his theories as to what happened to JFK. And um, Kevin Costner is as uh, very good as the man who was uh, investigating the... Uh, the assassination. So if you are a JFK fan, uh, go for it. If you're a movie fan, go for it. Because again, it's Oliver Stone. It's Oliver Stone uh, doing what he does best, which is sort of uh, tweaking the system a little bit. And it's limited edition. It's got a couple good documentaries on it. Some good extras. JFK. Brilliant. And you know, Mark, this may be my favorite box set of the entire season. Uh, no, I, no. This is my favorite box set. I know. Of the I know what it is. This is unbelievable. James Dean, Ultimate Collector's Edition. But it only has three of his movies. That's the problem. Stop. Seven DVDs, seven Blu-rays, seven Blu-rays. Um, absolutely awesome in every conceivable way. This is, this is James Dean, Blu-ray, with posters, with a, a full-color book. I mean, this is unbelievable. And, of course, James, as Mark pointed out, James Dean made three movies you know, before he died. And what's really tragic about this is that we're talking about James Dean's death in an auto accident literally less than 24 hours after another celebrity death in an auto accident. That is true, Paul Walker. Paul Walker just died, and that is, you know, the, the irony of the guy, the star of the Fast and the Furious uh, movies, dying in an, in an auto crash at a celebrity event, and being driven by, an, in a, you know, in a Porsche, driven by a, an auto racer uh, who was also at the event, is just so unbelievably tragic. So, it, it, you know, there's something that's, it's obviously on all of our minds, and not very holiday-oriented, but, you know, we do, do, do want to give a, a shout-out to uh, all of Paul Walker's uh, colleagues and friends and family and loved ones and, and offer our condolences. And um, 
James Dean also died tragically in an auto accident. Uh, this, is, this ultimate edition includes Blu-rays of all three of his films, East of Eden, Rebel Without a Cause, and Giant. There's not a bad film in the lot. They, they are all classics. Uh, his performance in all of them is, is classic. Uh, Giant especially, I think, is just a spectacular film. And uh, included here are uh, expert commentaries on all the films, tons of documentary footage, um, great feature-length documentaries like James Dean's Sense Memories, uh, James Dean Forever Young, and my favorite, George Stevens, A Filmmaker's Journey, which is not specifically about James Dean. It's about George Stevens, but of course James Dean factors very heavily into George Stevens' career, obviously, as the star of Giant. Um, you know, the fact that you get George Stevens' A Filmmaker's Journey on here almost makes this like a four-film set. I mean, it's really one of the great documentaries about filmmaking ever created. So this is a spectacular, spectacular set. You get wardrobe tests and screen tests and on and on and on and on. Um, so I don't need to give you any more recommendations of this. This is, um, this is really just first-rate stuff. What mystifies me is that they've rated all of these films. You know, none of these films were rated when they were originally released. And uh, East of Eden rated PG, Giant rated G, Rebel Without a Cause rated PG-13. What? I, it's, it's tearing me apart. I don't understand. <laughs> I just don't understand that. I, I, you know, it, it just mystifies me how they come up with some of this stuff. But anyway. So, Mark, our last giveaway is going to be for the set that you are, are going to talk about right now. This is the greatest thing I have ever seen in the history of everything. <laughs> I expect nobody to uh, want this so that I can have it. Mark, yes. we are going to give this away to a very lucky person who sends us an email, date stamped by December 6th, to godsatdigigods.com with their address in the body of the email, and in the subject line, they are just going to write the four-letter word, Dean, D-E-A-N, because we are giving away the complete collection of the Dean Martin Celebrity Roasts. Now, if you're of a certain vintage... You remember that Dean Martin used to host these semi-drunken celebrity roasts where they would, uh, people would stand up on the dais and they would uh, say jokes at the expense of the honoree, Bob Hope, Johnny Carson, uh, Ronald Reagan, Don Rickles, Kirk Douglas, uh, George Burns, Jack Benny, Sammy Davis Jr., Jimmy Stewart. It was absolutely fantastic. So fantastic uh, that Comedy Central wound up reviving the concept yep. with Jeff Ross as the host. Now, the, the, uh, the, the um, Comedy Central ones are completely profane. The Dean Martin roasts are not profane. No. Uh, it's of a certain era, and you just couldn't do that, uh, at least on TV. But still, they are absolutely, positively, unbelievably, fantastically awesome. And I am telling you, I, 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 I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to um, apply for this uh, uh, giveaway. Yeah. Because that's how much I want this. All right. It is awesome. The well, Dean Martin you... Complete Collection Celebrity Roast. <laughs> the greatest thing in the history of the world. All right, Mark, we are going to launch now into uh, Alonzo's wonderful Christmas segment on our show, which is an annual event. Our good friend Alonzo uh, Duralde of uh, the Linoleum Knife Podcast and TheRap.com. And a good friend of ours and a colleague in the LA Film Critics, who we will see in a week's time when we, when we vote. And, uh, well, we're going to let him do that, and then I'm going to blast through all this Christmas stuff. Meanwhile, you have a dinner party to go to. I do. It's, so, it's down downtown LA. So I'm I'm, gonna, I'm, 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 what, what am I wearing right now as you, we speak? You, you are wearing a tie for the first time, I think, in as long as I've known you. Yes. Cause I, apart from LA film critic dinners. That's yeah, true. Yeah. I have my suit jackets in the car. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that is going to be a nice dinner. Well, what, and, and it would kill you to actually sit here while I talk about uh, all kinds of Christmas specials like uh, Mary in-laws. 
Oh, well, I, that, I, yeah, I, that would, that I, would, that I, would kill I have me. to be late for to my dinner party for that. <laughs> By the way, this dinner party tonight, yes, it's uh, it's at a club downtown. The music, big band swing music, big oh, band I'm and so, swing music. I'm so jealous. You know what I'm going to be doing? Uh, feeding your baby. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. So with that, we will launch into Alonzo. We will let Mark go, and I will be back in the last segment of the show to just blow through a lot of uh, Christmas themed stuff. There are a ton of them. They come out every year, and it's easy to lose track of them. I will give you a, a quick summation of what's out there. And uh, next week we will not be here. No podcast next week because we have the LA Film Critic voting. Uh, Mark and I will be sequestered with uh, 60 other angry critics arguing about uh, the best movies of the year. And then we'll be, we will be back the following two weeks uh, for uh, year-end stuff. And then uh, we'll be back, uh, take a little two-week hiatus and be back in the new year. So uh, no podcast next week. We'll be back the following week. And uh, here, without further ado, is Alonzo. Hi, it's Alonzo Duraldi. I'm the author of Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas, the film critic for TheRap.com, and co-host of the Linoleum Knife podcast, making my annual appearance on the show to talk about favorite holiday movies. Uh, this December seems to be all about anniversaries. It turns out there's a lot of really cool and beloved movies that are celebrating one this year. Um, it's the 10th anniversary of both Elf and Love Actually, uh, which somehow I don't remember them coming out the same Christmas season, but apparently they did. Love Actually is one of those movies that even if you know what's wrong with it, you still kind of wind up digging it and wanting to see it every year anyway. And Elf, of course, features one of the great Will Ferrell performances and really skates that thin line between being sweet, innocent, and timeless and still being kind of modern and uh, sarcastic at the same time. It's a movie that I really enjoy and I think a lot of people turn to it every December. It's the 20th anniversary of Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, which, despite the title, was directed by Henry Selleck, and uh, this stop-motion favorite has only grown in its uh, estimation from year to year, I think. Uh, it's a movie that Disney wasn't quite sure what to do with originally. They released it under its Touchstone uh, Films banner originally because it was a PG movie, but now they very much embrace it as part of the Disney canon. The Disneyland Park uh, redoes the Haunted Mansion every winter uh, to, to reflect Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, certainly it's been a merchandising boom for them. And, uh, you know, it's a movie, again, that people turn to every December and every October, for that matter. It bridges that Halloween Christmas gap. And, um, you know, certainly a goth favorite if you've got anybody in your life that uh, still wears a lot of heavy black eyeliner. You can't go wrong with getting them a Jack Skellington Gugaw for Christmas. Uh, this is the big one, though, this year, 25 years since uh, Die Hard came out in the summer of 1988. Over the course of writing the book, I found more people who would sort of secretly tell me, every Christmas, we watch Die Hard in my house. Like, this was their dirty secret that no one else does. So let me go ahead and break it to everybody. Most of you watch Die Hard every December, and it's okay. It's a great Christmas movie. Yes, it's an action movie, and it's a terrific shoot 'em up but it takes place entirely at a Christmas party uh, in Nakatomi Plaza uh, where bad guys have come in and taken everyone hostage uh, and ultimately it is a film about an estranged husband and wife getting back together and that's a perfectly Christmassy theme so if you're one of those diehard Christmas people, don't feel embarrassed about it shout it from the rooftops December is John McClane time. Uh, and, you know, I even like Die Hard 2, which is set in the only place scarier to be on Christmas Eve, an airport. Um, so if you dig out these movies every time that the holidays roll around, you are not alone, and they're great stuff. Uh, thanks a lot. Check out my book if you'd like more uh, suggestions for offbeat and traditional uh, holiday favorites. And um, have a happy holiday. And thank you, Alonzo. As always, we defer to him in all things related to uh, Christmas. He is the Christmas expert. You can find his book, 
just about anywhere. Uh, Mark is now gone, presumably having a great old time at a party, and this is the part of the show that Mark absolutely despises, so we will spare him a little bit. I'm going to blow through just at the end of the show. Uh, a whole litany of holiday-themed titles, which may or may not suit your fancy. Uh, we'll leave it up to you, but at this time of the year, everybody seems to have some kind of a heartwarming Christmas tale. And uh, this is what is available. The first one, uh, based on a true story, as these things often are, uh, Aidan Quinn and Mackenzie Porter in The Horses of McBride, uh, another one of those uh, Rocky Mountain Christmas tales that uh, everyone seems to have. Every family in the Rocky Mountains appears to have had a movie based on some event that they were involved in. Uh, that, is, uh, that is available for Aiden Quinn fans primarily. Uh, we have some compilation sets here. Uh, one is a double feature of Christmas Snow and A Hobo's Christmas. This is from Echo Bridge. Uh, Christmas Snow stars uh, Sid Caesar and Melissa Joan Hart. There's a couple you probably never imagined you'd see in a movie together. And uh, Hobo's Christmas stars Gerald McRaney and Barnard Hughes. Uh, neither one of these, I have seen both of these, and uh, neither one is particularly offensive, neither one is particularly great. Uh, you know, Christmas Snow is only 48 minutes long. Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, that's probably worth the money to just have on hand if you want. Uh, classic Christmas TV is a whole batch of stuff that, uh, from all kinds of TV shows that had Christmas specials over the years. This is also from Echo Bridge, and uh, they just kind of went mining all of the public domain stuff. This includes uh, The Adventures of Robin Hood episode, The Christmas Goose, Annie Oakley's episode, Santa Claus Wears a Gun, um, a Dragnet <laughs> new, new, Big New Year episode for the, for the New Year, uh, Jack Benny Show Christmas episode, Beverly Hillbillies, a couple of them there. Three episodes from The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. Um, another Dragnet episode, Big Little Jesus, believe it or not. So this is just a, tons and tons of classic television uh, dealing with Christmas. That's one to just kind of put on in the background and let it roll. Uh, Eckerbridge also gives us a four-movie set, which includes Young Pioneer's Christmas, Beyond Tomorrow, A Very Merry Christmas, and Angel in the Family. All of these have been released before separately and in double features. Now you get four of them there. A, uh, a collection of Lifetime uh, movies, a uh, holiday four-film collection, including Holiday Spin, The Christmas Consultant, and Holly's Holiday, along with The March Sisters and Christmas. Some noteworthy casting here. Uh, Ralph Macchio, long vanished from movie screens, shows up in uh, Holiday Spin. And, uh, boy, you're, you're going to be a little bit blown away by uh, The Christmas Consultant because David Hasselhoff is the Christmas consultant. So from Baywatch to being the Christmas consultant. Uh, Christmas Angel in the House stars Tony Collette, Ian Grufford, Richard E. Grant, and Haley Mills. Not the best and certainly not the worst uh, Christmas movie that you'll ever see, uh, but definitely a very, very good cast and uh, well done by writer-director Jonathan Newman. So that's, uh, that's, that's one to put on the upper end of the, uh, of the collection. Danger in the Manger is uh, strictly for people who are looking for something uh, more irreverent for Christmas season. Uh, nothing, nothing here particularly um, inspiring or, or holiday-oriented. This is just pretty, pretty kind of wacky, off-the-wall stuff. Uh, the Carol Burnett Show, Christmas with Carol. This is probably more of a plug for the complete Carol Burnett uh, set than anything else. Uh, but this is just holiday episodes from the Carol Burnett Show uh, on one particular uh, DVD compilation uh, for Carol Burnett fans, obviously. Uh, 
Uh, Norman Rockwell presents Coming Home for Christmas. Obviously, Norman Rockwell doesn't really present this, but uh, the, uh, the use of his name is obviously everything here. And then we have on Blu-ray from uh, VCI, Santa Claus, the actual movie from 1959, Santa Claus. This is a, uh, this is a Spanish film, and uh, it's available here in both Spanish and English. You can watch it in the original Spanish with English subtitles. A uh, bit of an odd movie, and uh, kind of a, a strange cult following for this one as well. Um, you might want to check it out, but with, uh, you know, with advance warning uh, about what you're getting into. This is uh, certainly not the American uh, Spanish, uh, the American, uh, uh, an American holiday film, as you might uh, expect them. So uh, definitely the whole Santa Claus thing filtered through the, uh, the eyes of Spanish cult filmmakers in uh, 1959. Uh, definitely an oddity, but not unfriendly for, for the family. Um... Some kid things here. Some kid-oriented uh, family specials. Uh, Dora's Ice Skating Spectacular, strictly for fans of Dora the Explorer. Um, Cabbage Patch Kids, First Christmas, along with The Little Troll Prince, A Christmas Parable. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of the Cabbage Patch Kids, either the toys or the animated version, but... Uh, Warner Brothers clearly has chosen the right time to uh, tear this out. This is uh, some of the more unusual late Hanna-Barbera stuff. If you're a fan of uh, Nickelodeon's Bubble Guppies and Team Umazumi, they have a uh, double set here, the uh, Into the Snow We Go. Um, again, strictly for fans of those television shows. Little Brother Big Trouble, A Christmas Adventure, is um, decent enough animation. This is uh, obviously trying to get off of the, uh, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all of the other uh, uh, reindeer-oriented Christmas specials. This is rated G. It runs 75 minutes and uh, comes from Lionsgate. And, uh, you know, if you like reindeer, if you like animated reindeer, it's, it slots right in there. It's perfectly enjoyable. That wonderful little elephant, uh, Mumphy's White Christmas, is, uh, is actually quite charming. This is better than average animation, and uh, this is also from Lionsgate, so um, nice cell animation. That's always welcome. The uh, fans of The Hive, there is also a very Busby Christmas. This is 10 episodes. This airs normally on Disney Junior. Among the included episodes here are Busby and the Snow Bee, uh, Baby's First Christmas, Spelled B-A-B-E-E, if you've never seen the show. And uh, The Night Before Christmas. So uh, that's strictly for fans of that show. The Scholastic people are always really, really great. And they've given us Merry Christmas Splat and more winter stories. There are, as usual, four stories here. Uh, Merry Christmas Splat being the main one. Fletcher and the Snowflake Christmas is also really good. Snowflake Bentley is terrific, to be honest. Narrated by Sean Astin. That's really, really good as well. And then uh, Owl Moon which uh, is kind of the ringer on the lot. And uh, that brings us to some very, very unusual Christmas stuff. One of them is strictly for people who uh, take a very dark approach to Christmas. If you've ever seen uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, or uh, Black Christmas, this slots right in there with that. This is a uh, kind of a gore spoof called Caesar and Otto's Deadly Xmas. And uh, this just loads it up with all of the straight-to-video people, including uh, former Scream Queen Linnea Quigley and Joe Estevez, who is, of course, the uh, B-movie king, who also happens to be the brother of Martin Sheen. 
Uh, this thing is just straight up schlock, straight up trash, and it means to be. So uh, you get <laughs> three commentary tracks and alternate scenes and a whole bunch of other stuff that doesn't really need to be here. This, is, uh, this has been uh, kind of a, an underground festival uh, favorite, and uh, it certainly does not disappoint in the, in the schlock department. Mary In-Laws is, boy, this is really, uh, this is kind of scraping the edges of the barrel. Uh, <laughs> Shelley Long and George Went uh, clearly have not done a whole lot since Cheers. And uh, this is an opportunity for people to watch a couple of old Cheers veterans who have been absent from the scene for a very long time show up in a very mediocre uh, holiday movie. Uh, I'll leave it for you to, you know, decipher that one if you want, but uh, George Went and Shelley Long are about the only reasons for seeing that. A little bit more sentimental, Christmas Angel, starring Timothy Spall, Brenda Blethyn, um, Mel Smith, and Celia Imry, is, uh, is okay. Anything with Timothy Spall in it is, uh, is, is bound to be decent. Uh, Timothy Spall is just such a great actor. He elevates everything. And uh, this is originally, a, obviously, a British television thing. And um, it really has a, it has a nice little uh, borderline sentimental but very heartwarming message to it. A Christmas Tree Miracle is uh, from Green Apple. And uh, as all of these Christmas things tend to, this is all about the magical things that happen around Christmas time. Uh, not a lot of names in this one, but uh, the director, J.W. Myers, does seem to be somebody who's uh, getting a little bit of a profile. We have the Fitzgerald Family Christmas, which, again, is uh, another one that is almost without any names other than those who've shown up in Edward Burns movies. And uh, that is because it is written and directed by Edward Burns. So um, it's interesting because a lot of people who have not done anything since Edward Burns movies appear in this. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's Edward Burns kind of trying to resurrect his career with a holiday film that did not get a theatrical release. But it is getting a straight-to-video release. Uh, Magnolia is releasing this. It formerly rated PG-13 because it's not quite as family-friendly as you might want. It does have a Brothers McMullen uh, thing to it, so um, you know, give it a, give it a. You might want to give it a look. It's uh, only strictly for Edward Burns fans, I would say. And um, a Walmart exclusive is Saving Santa. This is an animated film, comes on a Blu-ray DVD combo pack, and it is uh, one of the, it's an, it goes in the elf category as opposed to the reindeer category. Uh, Walmart is apparently the only place that you can get this, so if you, uh, and narrated, or, or the, the, vo- the main voice casting here is Martin Freeman, who of course is uh, not just an elf, but also a hobbit this season. Um, Probably really worth it just for Martin Freeman and then for Tim Curry voicing the villain of the piece. But it's uh, another beleaguered elf movie, and of course there are plenty and plenty and plenty of those. The, uh, the Disney film Frozen is expected to be a big hit this season, and that is of course based on the uh, Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale Snow Queen. And there are two other versions of Snow Queen available on DVD this season. One of these is a Russian production, which is just dreadful. Uh, it's, it's, it's boring and misbegotten and uh, really badly animated as well. That is from Vertical Entertainment and uh, strictly for people who just want to make comparisons between Frozen and that. The other one is live action, and there, of course, have been many, many different versions of this. This is a BBC live action uh, production that's not bad, actually, and uh, bears relatively little... Very few similarities to the other variations on it. They they kind of take this in uh, in a I guess a more um, 
I guess, a more BBC direction. Uh, but anyway, that is uh, the BBC production of The Snow Queen, and uh, that was adapted by James Andrew Hall, who does uh, very interesting work with it. So, uh, and, uh, you know, director uh, is a, name, a guy by the name of Julian Gibbs, whom I've not heard of, but also does very, very good work. And uh, let's see, we have the, of course, the worth mentioning VCI's classic uh, release of A Christmas Carol, the Alistair Sim original version, really the only one that I ever recommend. That is once again available. They re-release this every season, and this is a uh, Blu-ray and DVD combo set, quite nicely put together uh, with all the usual uh, bonus features that it always has, including the introduction by our good friend Leonard Malton. That is always worth having if you don't already have it. And uh, VCI has also released uh, their annual uh, Bush Christmas from the Rank Collection, which is also a bit of a, an unheralded Christmas classic from uh, 1947. Always well, uh, well worth watching and very brief, 75 minutes. This is not, uh, if you've never seen it, this is a nice one to kind of throw up uh, on, on uh, Christmas morning. The, uh, the Sights and Sounds of Christmas, the complete collection, is also a, an annual VCI release just to uh, load up those songs and let them play on the Blu-ray player. A lot of great uh, classic songs here. Very nicely put together. On the uh, lower end of the, uh, the KidVid stuff, uh, from the Bratz line, Babies with a Z, Save Christmas, the movie... Um, you know what? Just not the least bit interesting to me. Uh, if you're a fan of, uh, of Bratz Babies... Well, I guess, uh, you know, by all means, knock yourself out. Uh, Luke Perry and Taylor Negrin show up in Scoot and Cassie's Christmas Adventure. Uh, another one of these, uh, we got to save Christmas movies, really just a showcase for a couple of actors who've almost completely disappeared from the scene, Luke Perry and uh, Taylor Negrin, who I like a lot, both of them, but uh, nothing, nothing particularly novel there. Um, Journey to the Christmas Star is... Um, is an, also from Vertical Entertainment, and uh, this is directed by Norwegian director Nils Gopp, who once had a bit of a big career going. Um, this is actually not terrible. Um, could be better, but um, it, it's much more professionally done than I was actually expecting it to be. has a nice kind of a mythical fairy tale quality to it, and uh, this you would I would put on the upper echelon of films to consider. If you haven't seen, if you're looking for like a new a new uh, Christmas movie that uh, isn't just one of these sort of Midwestern, um, we got to heal our family or we got to save Christmas with a little bit of Home Alone slapstick thrown in, then this is probably your, your best bet. A uh, much more interesting movie than most of the other stuff that's being released uh, of late. A little bit more on the sentimental side is Just Where I Belong, starring Florence Henderson. And uh, this one is it gets they, they tout this heavily on the, on the box. Five out of five doves from the Dove Foundation. You see those doves show up on all the super family-friendly stuff every once in a while. That's because this is pretty saccharine. Um, it's about kids in foster care, and you know that's that's meant to really, really yank the the, uh, the heartstrings and and be a, a real tear tugger. Uh, from the Hallmark Channel, a, uh, a movie that aired originally on the Hallmark Channel, uh, Joy Lawrence, Emily Hampshire, and Marilou Henner in Hitched for the Holidays. This is one of those holiday-themed romantic comedies. Uh, Christmas Family Classics is a, uh, an interesting VCI release that just includes a lot of short films that are all about the Christmas story and the impact of Christmas in people's lives. These are all... Um, these were all, some of them uh, religious, uh, more religious than others, but they're all, all released in the 1950s, 
uh, as kind of public service Christmas holiday spirit movies. And, uh, you know, they all, they all have kind of a nice, little, uh, a nice little feel to them, a little vintage feel. So some of them are from, the, from a company called uh, Family Films. Some of the others are independently uh, created, produced, and released. Uh, they're called Birth of a Savior, The Littlest Lamb, Silent Night, Christmas Spirit, The Guiding Star, Three Wise Boys, and The Greatest Gift. Again, nothing here that's going to knock your socks off, but a nice little uh, touch of nostalgia there. Uh, on the most bizarre end is Home Alone, The Holiday Heist. We are, of course, many, many years past the uh, Macaulay Culkin era, but somehow still, even without Macaulay Culkin and even without John Hughes, 20th Century Fox is finding straight-to-video ways of milking the Home Alone franchise. There is no reason whatsoever to check this out. It is, uh, it's clearly a uh, design for, for very small children who don't have any frame of reference and probably can't tell the difference between uh, Christian Martin, M-A-R-T-Y-N, who's the new kid here, and, uh, you know, and obviously Macaulay Culkin. Um, the only thing here worth watching is Malcolm McDowell as the head thief. And uh, otherwise, it's just a lot of the same stuff that the original Home Alone did an awful lot better. Um, another series of animated titles that are worth noting, Caillou Let's Go Sledding from PBS Kids uh, is, is quite nice, actually. The Caillou series is, is very gentle, and uh, there are a whole bunch of uh, episodes here specific to uh, the holidays and to winter with Caillou. The uh, the Naughty List is an interesting uh, CGI animated uh, special, and not the you know the greatest thing in the world. Certainly not on on order of uh, rank and bass, but it's decent. This is about a couple of elves named Winter and Snowflake, and they just aren't very obedient. And it is there. It's the story of these two disobedient elves. Some interesting uh, ca- uh, voice casting here, including Sean Astin and Matthew Lillard. Uh, that's pretty decently done. And then another VCI release, Christmas Classics for Kids. This is uh, eight vintage classics, also mostly from the uh, 1950s and 70s. And um, some good stuff here, some not so good stuff. The First Christmas from 1970, pretty good. Uh, When the Littlest Camel Knelt from 1958, also really quite good. Uh, And then uh, Brightest Night from 1952. And uh, The City That Forgot About Christmas from 1970. All of them, uh, all of those and a few others uh, comprise this collection. Christmas Classics for Kids. Eight little uh, Christmas specials from the 1970s and 50s. Two uh, different two-disc sets here that are meant to go together. There is The Secret World of Santa, Elves in Toyland. And The Secret World of Santa, A Present for Santa. The first one is meant to uh, give you 13 episodes for days 1 through 13. The next one is uh, Countdown to Christmas, days 14 to 25. So this is meant to get these, you know, two two different two-disc sets together and uh, watch one episode per day as part of your kind of uh, animated advent calendar. It's not bad. Uh, It's perfectly enjoyable, and it'll uh, keep the kids, you know, somewhat occupied. Um, if you are fans of Alpha and Omega, this is Alpha and Omega 2, A Howl-A-Day Adventure. This is a Walmart exclusive. It's a Blu-ray, DVD, and digital uh, copy, ultraviolet combo set. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, the, the, the whole uh, Alpha and Omega, you know, wolf, cub, dog world is, you know, not for everybody. It's not necessarily mine, but uh, that's, that's what this is all about. And uh, if your kids are nuts for that, then I guess they will probably appreciate it. 
Thomas and Friends, Santa's little engine, is really just a Thomas and Friends... It's Thomas and Friends Gone Christmas, and not being a fan of Thomas and Friends, can't really recommend it. Uh, fans of My Little Pony will appreciate A Very Minty Christmas, which is, again, strictly for fans. And SpongeBob Christmas it has been around before. It's out again. Blu-ray, DVD, and digital copy combo. If you, uh, if you want to go ultraviolet on that and inflict uh, SpongeBob on the whole family on every single device in the house, um, it will not be a Merry Christmas for you. So, uh, but that's out again. And the most bizarre of the lot, uh, Power Rangers Super Samurai A Christmas Wish. I don't know how much Christmas there is about the, the Power Rangers, but somehow they have managed to make the Power Rangers uh, holiday friendly. So go figure. And then, of course, uh, the all-time classic is the original Christmas Classics, which is a... Uh, not exactly the perfect Rankin-Bass uh, comprehensive uh, box set that I think a lot of us keep hoping somebody will figure out. But it does include Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which are pretty much the three that everyone always remembers. And then they also throw in uh, four additional uh, favorites, which include The Little Drummer Boy, another classic from the era, Cricket on the Hearth, Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, and Frosty Returns. So, um... You can find out more about all of that, obviously, at christmasclassics.tv, but uh, these are the ones that people really, really remember, and, you know, especially Santa Claus is coming to town. Put one foot in front of the other. How are you? You just don't get any more classic Christmas than that. And then the last three titles, uh, Home for Christmas, A Golden Christmas 3. Uh, this is, you know, it, if you love puppies and you love Christmas, you'll probably love this. It's, uh, this is from Guyam Vivendi. And it's just it's milking everything it can out of the whole combination of dogs and Christmas. Uh, Andrew McCarthy, another one of these actors who kind of has faded from the scene, he shows up in a Hallmark Channel movie, uh, "Come Dance with Me," which is another you know he and an actress by the name of Michelle Nolden. It's 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 part of their Countdown to Christmas series, and it uh, it's just another Christmas romance. Uh, so this is Christmas features uh, someone that is. Certainly never, ever been associated with Christmas. Eric Roberts. When was the last time anybody wanted to, thought of Eric Roberts in association with Christmas? Certainly never. But uh, somehow he, uh, he actually rises above the material and um, pulls it off, i got to tell you. It's uh, not the best movie I've ever seen, but I've seen worse as well. Uh, co-starring with Vivica Fox. And this is, you know, uh, the, the, the whole about, you know, deals with underprivileged kids and uh, how you're going to, you know, find the spirit of Christmas amid, uh, amid inclement uh, economic conditions. And then lastly, uh, Lifetime's uh, 12 holiday movie collection, 12 films of Christmas. If one Lifetime movie isn't enough, 12 will certainly be too much. The Road to Christmas, Recipe for a Perfect Christmas, Home by Christmas, A Christmas Wedding, Holiday Switch, A Very Merry Daughter of the Bride, Under the Mistletoe, Holiday Wishes, Christmas in Paradise, Deck the Halls, His and Her Christmas, and Will You Marry Me, M-E-R-R-Y, Marry Me. So that is the, uh, the full complement of all of the, uh, the new Christmas stuff, animated and live action for adults and for kids. Tons of stuff out there in addition to stuff that's uh, always been available that you can, uh, you can jump all over. So once again, we have three giveaways this week, and uh, we will have one set apiece to give for um, the complete Mama's Family, the complete Dean Martin Celebrity Roasts, and the complete China Beach.
no, no one can apply for all three or even two. You've got to pick one. And uh, send us emails to gods at digigods.com. Put uh, beach in the, uh, in the subject header if you're applying for the uh, China Beach. Put uh, mama, M-A-M-A, if you want the mama's family. And put Dean, D-E-A-N, in the subject line if you want the uh, Dean Martin Celebrity Roast. And uh, make sure that your email is date-stamped by Friday, December 6th. And then we will uh, randomly pick winners and alert you over the weekend uh, as to who has won. So by the, by the evening of the 8th, if you, uh, if you haven't heard, then you're not a winner. If you have, congratulations. And please include your mailing address in the body of the email as well. Well, this is Wade Major from Mark Kaiser signing off. want to thank our good friends uh, Alonzo Duralde and Tim Grierson for uh, their contributions to this week's holiday show. We wish you a great, great holiday season. Once again, we are off again next week because it is uh, L.A. Film Critic voting and We've got uh, a ton of uh, screenings and uh, screeners left to trudge through. So Mark and I are uh, marathoning for the remainder of this week doing L.A. Film Critic stuff. But we will be back uh, the following week and uh, probably the week after that before we go on holiday hiatus. So um, with that, we'll take out with Tom Jones and Cerise Matthews of the Cranberries singing Baby It's Cold Outside. Best version of this song ever recorded. Have a great Christmas. Your hair looks well. I want to say no, 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 sir. At least there will be, ooh, that I tried it. Lots of sound hurting my pride. I really can't stay. Baby, don't hold out. Oh, but it's cold The answer is no You know it's cold outside This welcome has been I'm lucky that you dropped so in So nice and warm Look out the window ah, That's gone Your sister will be suspicious Oh, your lips look delicious My brother will be there at the door Like waves upon a tropical shore Ooh, your lips are delicious. Or maybe just a cigarette more. Never such a blizzard. I got to go home. Oh, baby, you would freeze out there. Say, lend me a cold. You know it's up to your knees out there. You've really been great. I swear when you touch my hands.